T-minus 30 seconds. T-minus 20 seconds. You are now tapped into the coolest reptile podcast in the world. Welcome to episode 300. That's right. We on that 300 energy type shit right now. The 300 Trap Talk episode special. I am so excited. What is good, everybody? I'm your boy, MJ. If this is your first time tapping in, do your boy a favor. Hit that like button. Smash the subscribe button. Hit that notification bell. That way on top of every single piece of content I drop here on this channel man i want to say shout out to all my subscribers out there my viewers people who just tap in my og viewers all the above man appreciate you guys so much you guys are the biggest reason why my energy stays so consistent why i bring so much great shit to this channel it's because how much all how much love i get from you guys and that's me being sincere um i do want to say shout out to uh my Patreon members, my family, thank you so much. If you're out there wanting to become a part of this family, uh, this growing family, uh, if you want to tap into some breeders who've been in this for a long time or even some up-and-coming up and coming breeders, basically, if you want to get more out of this hobby, more than more, if you want real relationships with people, go down to the very first link that you see below. Join the Trap Talk Patreon family. As soon as you join the Patreon family, you get a link to the Discord, which taps you in with over 150 trappers, people who support each other, and people who support the trap, man. More importantly, if you want to support what I do, come join the Patreon family and come fuck with us. I would love to hang out with you and you and watch you grow with us. But either way, my Patreon members, I love you guys so much. Cannot wait to give you guys more exclusive content and bring some awesome shit to the Patreon family. Um, I do want to say before we get into things tonight, tonight's episode is brought to you by my, my dog, Doug, over at Ridiculous Racks. The fucking guy killing it in the lychee game, the gecko game. I've had the pleasure of having Doug on the show before he became a sponsor. And this guy's game is not to be slept on. Second to none. My man Doug is killing it on so many different levels. But really, man, he's just a real passionate reptile keeper. And that's what really means the most when it comes to me bringing anyone on the show. So thank you, Doug, for everything that you do. Thank you for the community that you're building and the passion you have behind the animals. And more importantly, thank you for sponsoring this channel. Thank you for sponsoring the, the podcast. Um, and I cannot wait to link up with my boy Doug at Tinley. Um, man, this coming week, Arlington, NARBC. Who's ready? Texas, are you ready? I cannot wait, man. Texas never misses. I love going to Texas. We have a big episode coming this Thursday night, so be ready for that live and direct, okay, uh, which we'll talk a little bit uh, about that episode after tonight's guest. Um by the way, go follow me on Instagram, Trap God Six One Nine, Trap Talk God Six One Nine on Instagram, and then make sure you go follow the podcast's Instagram as well, Trap Talk Podcast on IG and the Trap Talk Podcast on Facebook. If you're on Facebook, you're watching. Show me some love. Drop a like. What is good? Uh, but yeah, man, super excited for tonight, man. Brandon Van Aston, this guy right here has been a big fan. I've, I've been a big fan of his work ever since bringing him on Unfiltered, um, and then having him on the show. Uh, but a lot has grown for my experience with tree monitors and I have a lot more stuff to talk about. And if you're into tree monitors or if you want to learn about tree monitors, 
This is the episode to be a part of tonight, not only because it's the 300th Trap Talk episode, but it's Brandon Van Acid. In my opinion, one of the best doing it in the tree monitor game, okay? And uh, and, and you can take that to the bank. Shout out to all the early birds who's here. Now, listen, if you have um, something you want to bring up in today's uh, or tonight's podcast, if you also want to support me, you can also drop a super chat. If you're in the live chats tonight, don't be shy with the super chats. Episode 300, let's go. Let's get it cracking, man. But who's here right now? Early birds, you guys ready for this? I know I'm ready, man. Shout out to Lizardman0897, Trap Talk patreon member all day every day thanks for tapping in spectro seven what's up thanks for being here levi ftl reptiles sex and inflection podcast had a good time on his show last night i felt safe i felt like i could be myself i'm just kidding i could be myself on this episode too on this show too but either way i had a good time man shout out to levi and chris make sure you go give them a follow on instagram and uh, go subscribe to their YouTube channel, please. They're killing it. My boy, Brian Heathen Hatchery. Oh, by the way, Trap Talk Patreon member all day, every day. The homie Brian Heathen Hatchery. Trap Talk Patreon member. Cheers to you, dog. Uh, pe pe Pecos? Picos? Yeah, I'm sorry. Pecos. Picos. Valley Python. Aaron, what's up, Aaron? Thanks for telling I should just called you Aaron. I'm so sorry. Thanks for being here, buddy. Appreciate you so much. Uh, Chantel, what's up, homegirl? Trap Talk Patreon member all day, every day. Team Zoo Dreams in the building. It's my girl right here. Thank you so much. The homie Row 5.0 in the building. Trap Talk Patreon member all day, every day. One of the newest Trap Talk Patreon members. Uh, what's up, player? 217 Pythons. Go give him a follow on Instagram. I just saw her following this guy. You should too. Uh, thanks for being a part of the family. Eden's Den. What is up? I like Eden. Eden actually does a lot of the um, social media work for the homie Levi and Chris. So I just found that out yesterday. Good to know that you're a huge part of what's going on for them, Eden. So go, go give Eden Den um, a follow on Instagram. And yeah, congrats uh, to you being so awesome to yourself. Okay, thank you so much. Bluntman Reptile in the building. Trap Talk Patreon member all day, every day. Tell me Aaron in the building. What's up, Aaron? Slithery Serpents. What's up, Slithery Serpents? Thanks for being here. Raymond Goodwin. What's up, Raymond Goodwin? Thanks for being here. The homie Father Blue. Eduardo. Eduardo, where are my 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 cup holders, dog? Like you're you're ducking and dodging me now. You're like doing all these other podcasts now, and you're just like you're too big for your boy now, dog. Heartbreaking. I'm just kidding. That's my dog. Uh, make sure you go catch our episode. Had a good episode. This guy right here is on another level with uh, what he has going on. Um, he's providing a lot more than just experience uh, to discuss as far as breeding goes. This guy is really doing a lot of cool shit. So go check him out. It's my boy, Eduardo. Uh, Big Mike, 1776 Exotics in the Building, Trap Talk Patreon member, OG Patreon member. Seriously, one of my first ones, if not my first one. I know, Mike, you're, you like to hold that first rank, and I, I'm pretty sure that is yours. I never really looked into it, but I have to check it out. Either way, Big Mike, my dog, JKJ Reptiles in the Building, Trap Talk Patreon member all day, every day. Also picking up some crazy heat for me as well. Um, guys, be ready. Go follow me on Morph Market too. Um, uh, the trap exotics on morph market i'm going to be putting out a lot of heat so if you're uh, trying to get some high quality ball python type shit be ready because your boy mj is gonna be dropping some serious heat and go follow me on morph market and jkj be ready for your package because that's gonna be next level julio fully on the building trap talk patron member all day every day galaxy reptiles in the building trap talk patron member all day every day frilled neck dragon uk trap talk patron member all day every day the new homie right here eclipse in the building Trap Talk Patreon member, Andy's a part of the YouTube membership club. Thank you so much, bro. Got some uh, exclusives. So check this out. Also, another cool thing, because once I start post, once I stop releasing lives on the, the public channel, if you're a YouTube member, you're going to have access to all the lives after the lives are out. So another big perch, a perch, big perk, other than being a Patreon member, if you're a YouTube member, you can catch all the lives after they go unlisted. 
Um, so yeah, thank you so much for being a part of the family. The homie Adler at Dizzle for Shizzle. And we're going to end it, the homie Adler, because this is my dog right here. And we're going to end this in style. My boy Adler, if you're looking to elevate your brand, your logo, if you need ideas, go follow and fuck with my boy Adler Romero, A&E Foundry and Serpent Eclipse Reptiles. And Adler, hopefully I'll see you at the Trap Talk after party for Patreon members, guys. So yeah, after tonight's episode, immediately we go to Zoom and we have a Trap Talk Patreon after party. And it's going to go down. So be ready for that. Go down to the link. Join Patreon if you want to be part of that after party, guys. But it's time, man. Do me a favor. Record and take a story and let people know that it is Trap Talk episode 300. Guys, do what you got to do to get your mind right. Stay hydrated. But I'm telling you, it's going to get hot. It's going to get heavy. We have a banger in store for you tonight, man. It's going down. Brandon Van Assen, Canadian Cold Blood. Let's go. Ready for do, do more in the future? Trap yes. Talk podcasts? Yes. Man, only, only Trap Talk. Exclusive. Yes. Exclusive. Oh. So stop calling us. From <laughs> <laughs> the spot, get the club to pop. When I come up with the crop, I love it, love it, and not I'm hot from the hop to the club to spot, get the club to pop. When I come up with the club spot, get the club to pop. When I come up with the club to spot, get the club to pop. When I come up gentlemen pearl jam <laughs> pearl jam love it oh how's the light oh, they can't they can't see the hair bro the lighting oh, what's going dark. on hold on it's fine this guy's hair is next level just so we know I, that's why i said it that it's all good you're on me here hold on let me hit the other light you're good buddy take your time there it is look at that look at that hair <laughs> see, i live in the sticks and my uh my wi-fi is terrible it's like still dial up almost so i have to use my buddy's sound booth in his basement <laughs> so i don't want to glitch out at least you have access that's awesome yeah, I know. luckily man brandon van Asten, thank you for being a part of episode 300 it means a lot to me man thank you so yeah, buddy much. thanks for having me how you been what's ever, what's what's new with you man uh busy man you know um been good things just just rocking and rolling but but you know, busy life as well around uh, outside of reptiles. So, so I'm elusive. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I had a little bit of like um, FOMO, um, and, and it, even though it wasn't really planned, I didn't know I was so close to you when I was visiting Canada. Um, uh, but but you know, I think I was only close to you because you were staying in the cabins or something like that. Is that right? Or yeah. Remember, I 
okay but man listen i i gotta tell you can canada's beautiful bro like seeing the countryside of canada like that i i man because i i used to go back east quite a bit pennsylvania and, and it's very green and and country like that and, and where i used to go visit so i had a great time with will moros shout to rcr um, yeah. and the mafia uh but man I, i'm gonna be back bro and when i go up to canada i'm i'm um, it, it's a priority to come hang out with you. I just want you to know that. Yeah, man. If you were if you were up at Will's place, that's that's about you know twenty minutes kind of for from where my uh, my cabins are. So wow. you know you want a place to stay, buddy. Anybody out there looking? I don't just do reptiles. I have some beautiful little uh, places on a lake. I love fishing. Take you out. You oh, know, man. Yeah, the good old, good old country. The good old like nature of uh, experience that you could have out there. That from what I can see. Um, but you know, obviously, I went there. I went during a good time during the year. I feel like right. Yeah. Obviously, it's cold as shit. What right now? Yeah. <laughs> What's temperatures like? What right now? Where you're at? Oh God. Well, uh, what's freezing in Fahrenheit? Thirty two. I have no clue. I'm the wrong person to ask with oh, that, man. Anyways, anyways, we're, I think it's like 32 or something Fahrenheit is freezing. I, we're about, we're, well, the other day it was mine, you know, 35 degrees below zero outside my shop. I, I, <laughs> yeah, buddy. So just to give you a story, man, like I, uh, I, I, every day when it's, when it gets about minus 10, I can't get into my, like into my reptile building because the humidity from the inside of the shop condenses on the metal locks and stuff and it freezes right. up. So I literally have to bring a blowtorch to open the doors so I can melt it all, turn the key and get in, buddy. A blowtorch. Literally a blowtorch, yeah. Like a butane torch. Yeah, I mean, I got one. I do it, but I do it to smoke. I mean, I don't yeah, I smoke, that's like, smoke no. dabs, but 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 geez, you know, unfortunately, you have to do it just to get into something. That's yeah, crazy. Not, man. <laughs> but, you know, the, the meat potatoes of what we're talking about tonight are the tree monitors, right? And do you, do you feel like because you have such a crazy adjustment with weather that that has something to do with the success with your breeding or, or, to, or not really because you breed all year round anyways? Like how much – because some people, they look for a cold – winter because it helps their breeding for the most part for, yeah. for, for snakes for the most part right but yep. for, for you do you feel you see like an increase in uh production around this time of year or is it the same all year round when it comes to the, the tree monitors yeah i like to say i kind of depends it depends on the animal right i have some animals that are like religious every three months go you know some that are more sporadic and with the ones that are a little more sporadic i i usually get a good flux of breeding like october november ish as winter's coming on and then same for the spring right so like march april in that time so uh but i don't know if it's due to our weather or not like it seems like if we get a big storm i see lots of copulation uh it doesn't necessarily mean that the female like doesn't mean that the female like will ovulate or anything but i see a lot right. of like interest so um but yeah, so I, I I'm I'm sure it it does do something to some degree. Um, you know, listen, I have so much excitement behind tonight's episode because I feel like, man, like I'm not gonna lie, our last podcast when I was asking you like what what are the typical behaviors after they lay because I, I told you I ran into I ran a prop. Oh, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, I'm oh, sorry. Um, I, I told you I ran into a problem where, um the male wanted nothing to do with the female after you know she laid and i gave him like that 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 few weeks of break right it, it, it went to just like him just not being the same and and 
And then, you know, obviously we, we recommend that I separate them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I separated them. And then, and then I think what, what changed for me was getting the female comfortable eating because I, ever since I've had her, the male's been with her for the most part. Right. If no, that that's true. No, the, before she laid, the male was always with her right. and, and, and she's always been a skittish eater. So like I would always have to like the male would hand feed or feed off tongs all day long, but I would have to hope that the food I leave down or leave left over, yeah. she's going to eat. And I don't yeah. think, she, I don't think she was eating a lot of it. You know what I mean? I think, right. I think homeboy was being a fat ass to be honest. Cause yeah. he, he got big. Like I was like, dude, you're getting big. And, 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 and like I said, there was really no action. She wasn't digging like she used to. And then, so I was like, I was like, just wondering what happened. So then I separated again and I waited until she was literally eating all four. I got her comfortable where she was like eating bravely now. And I'm like, oh, because she's by herself now. You know what I mean? And, and, and I did take a while, but I also did this thing where I waited about four days or so before feeding her anything. And, and, and because they could, they could get picky, right? I mean, do you feel like if you're offering a monitor, a tree monitor, a certain thing all the time, um, they, they either kind of get like one fate, fa- they start favoring one, one thing or the other, or like they, they eventually become picky when it comes to them being offered food so much. Am I right? Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, <laughs> The one thing they never seem to refuse for me, and I know we talked about this like a year ago when we were on here about rodents. I mean, they just yeah, they, love, they love mice. I mean, if, if I've never had them refuse that, but I've had some that that uh, like with quails, you know, like re- Bakari were the worst. They all loved quail, and then it's like they all stopped eating quail. All of them, all of the pairs I had. I don't know what happened. Hmm. So it could have been the batch of quail that I had. Even maybe it just tasted different. I don't know. Wow. Right. Yeah, I, where, do you, where where do you get your quail from? Oh man, it's a uh, it's there's a there's a feed supply up here, um, National Reptile Supply. I get them from, and uh, but it's it's kind of few and far between, so it's like just based on availability. I don't right. uh, if you get it, you get it. Type. Yeah, thing. yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, you know, yeah, because one thing that always stuck out to me ever since our last episode was the, you know, the, the transition and dieting for tree mm-hmm. monitors. Um, and, and I think it was our episode. I can't remember if it was unfiltered when you talked about the studies of them taking tree monitors out of the wild and, and only like two out of like 40 or something like that had some sort of like a mammal or something in it, like a bird and everything else was insects. Is that right? Yeah. Like any study that I've seen. Right. Um, or, you know like yeah and basically any study or research that you've seen come out of the wild is like pretty much insectivorous right so right. that's it just bugs right any invertebrates so um you know that's kind of what they're designed to eat um, yeah but I, they're also opportunists as well right it's just if they come across birds in the wild i'm sure they they'd eat them and same with rodents it's just they don't do it often right so like they don't see that stuff often in the wild. I'm sure, you know. I'm very upset. I am not upset, but I'm very kind of heartbroken that my tree monitor, my my prosinuses, no longer want nothing to do with grasshoppers, and it sucks because my grasshoppers are flourishing right now. I wish I yeah. I wish you were. I wish we were neighbors. I would be like, here, bro, to take a hundred of them. I I have yeah. so many, bro. Like they're and it's cool because I know I know I know how to do these grasshoppers now. Like it's it, it's um. It's pretty awesome you know what i mean and and you could you could easily control production like all you have to do is uh turn off the bottom temperature of the soil you know if the the soil isn't warm enough 
whatever they lay in there is not going to make it's going to die you know what i mean yeah. um but once you warm up that soil um, and you get it warm enough for them and, and the, and the, and the food, food is very important with grasshoppers. You, you have to have food in there all the time and they, it, it won't stop. It's a machine. It's, it's, like a it's yeah, it's, it's, but it's cool to see because I, I mean, yeah. if they're not, a, it's not a cricket and, and crickets, I'm, you know, crickets a cricket, but a grasshopper is impressive. Like, and, mm-hmm. and, and the way it flies, like, you know, so it's very annoying because I've, I've, uh, <laughs> I've had a couple of my, my homies out there who work with grasshoppers, send me those those uh those those things that you cut out where you put your hand in like you know like and i haven't done that yet because i'm not good at sewing and all that shit i just don't like i don't i don't have an extra screen to, to put them in or whatever so i'm like so i i dude i have to like macgyver like or like sneak my hand in there without disturbing them but if they know and they and they start bro i'm chasing like 20 of them in my entire room and and oh, that's man. what makes you such good feeders though man is that movement right yeah bro the yeah. erratic movement the, the you know what it is man it's like it's like fishing for yeah. I'm a fisherman right so it's like right. if i have a lure and i move the lure really slow it gives the fish time to look at it and it can determine whether it wants to eat it or not right. but if i move it really fast it just has to react to it and it grabs it right, right. so it's like the lizards are the same you know, in many respects, that's why that fast-moving prey elicits that that response, right? Right. So now I I kind of want to track back to you know my 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 uh, my current experience with getting the 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 eggs that I got to get laid, right? Because I feel like a huge part of my success was obviously separating them, right? Like I, I felt like getting him out of there and getting her to where she, I mean, obviously at the end of the day, they have to be comfortable, like they have to be happy where they're at. Because if that's a problem, then they're never going to really kind of adjust you. I don't feel like I don't feel like they're ever going to be comfortable coming out and eating in front of you. Um, so I just felt like from what I noticed that separation happened. And then I noticed she was like willing to eat almost every day. Like, you know what I mean? And then, um, you know, I just went from offering different things. She loves eggs, right? Like she's a big right. eggy, like it, it hit or miss on the quail egg because the quail egg so big. I feel like for her. Um, so I have to like either like poke a hole or like bust it open um and then she'll like kind of chomp on it right but i don't know man that that whole time period without the mill in there and having her get like filled up with food you know obviously not overly but just eating um and then i don't know there was a certain point when did i when i when did i introduce i forget um i forget oh shit i mean i gotta remember when i actually introduced again because right when i introduced again it was like the beginning stages of when they first when i first saw them breed you know what i mean and then i was coming in and like holy shit they're locked you know and i was like yeah. this is crucial you know um but then you know the good thing about them eating so well once they stop eating that's like that's the sign like if you're getting locks right correct me if i'm wrong but yeah. if, if if she's been eating everything's been going well you put the mail in there you're getting locks and then all of a sudden she stops eating I wouldn't say like back-to-back days of not eating is yeah. a good sign to remove that mill, you would say, right? Yeah, I yeah, for sure. I mean, if she's not eating, I mean, she's definitely uncomfortable, ready to ovulate, or maybe has already ovulated, right? And um, it's that kind of food drive is also temperature um, dependent, I find, right? Like if your enclosures are warmer, let's say, then they they seem to have obviously their metabolism's ramped up. They'll eat more if your enclosures are cooler than than not. But uh, like that's kind of what I've seen too. But um, yeah, like once you get them breeding and uh, you know, and then you're getting mating 
and once you can get that first clutch that like first clutch is a benchmark buddy so you know i know that it should be about three months between between clutches so i that's just been historically what i've seen doesn't mean they can't go you know closer together two months just historically three is like the best i've ever got so if i get a clutch of eggs right then the fee you know you can tell a lot i mean i can tell when the female's about to lay so i'll pull the male out right if i'm just experimenting with uh with a pair right so then you know i'll let the female lay her eggs then i'll i'll you know i'll mark that day obviously and then basically like a month and a half after she lays she's by herself if you can she's by herself man because i know there's no risk of missing you know there's no risk of missing uh, a cycle and ovulation historically for me right so i just let her be and then once that month and a half window you know elapses and uh, she's put her weight back on you know i know it's probably a matter of about two weeks before she's going to start to cycle again right so at about the two month mark after egg deposition from the previous clutch then she's she's going to be she's cycling again as far as i'm concerned right as long as everything else hasn't changed and then i'll you know so at about a month and a half mark i'll throw the mail in right so after she's laid month and a half put the mail back in you know there's going to be a bit of like ooh, he's back in and and running around the enclosure they get comfortable with each other over the course of a few days they spend a couple weeks together and you know within a couple weeks they're they're usually mating again and locked again and and once you can hit that rhythm it's it's great right so and i'm sure there's lots of guys that that have experienced that rhythm too right so um and most of the guys that i've talked to like brian and and cody cop and and uh like they're they're it seems like everybody's kind of on that three month pattern right that's what it is providing you know provided the conditions are optimal i suppose right so yeah and then when when you know, if you have a new pair of of monitors and they've never bred, so you're kind of guessing, right? Right. Um, there's what I've noticed is that they will. You can you can definitely tell the females bulked up, right? Like I've had some pretty lean lizards, and the you know, for the duration when they're not really cycling well, and then they just kind of bulk up. So if you see your female like ooh really heavy in the abdomen it's like okay maybe i'll put them the male on or if they're not already together let's say like in your situation you separated them because you're not sure she's getting enough food right so mm-hmm. if she just like if you uh, just observe right so if you observe she's you know she's beefing up in the midsection then you know in the abdomen then okay she's probably getting ready to cycle and in terms of breeding like what i've seen lately um i've mucked around with a bunch of stuff over the last few years like the last year or so i wasn't having the greatest luck so i i did a bunch of stuff but anyways um i i i i, I what i've noticed is like the males almost copulate with the feet when it's going to be a successful mating and and ovulation happens it's like they'll they'll mate with the female for like a day or two and then it's good she ovulates and done right and it's almost like if the female is cycling but she never gets quite to ovulation it's like that male will pursue her for a week a week and a half and they'll constantly be locked and all that stuff right so like for me i post some pictures of monitors locking and whatever because it's interesting but for me a lock is not necessarily it doesn't really mean much because i've been fooled so many times in the past it's like oh, okay they lock up. 
And it's like the female just needs that extra something to ovulate. And what that something is, is like, you know, if I knew, if I knew that magic bullet, you know, I'm, I'm working on it and I've gotten pretty good in the last couple, couple months. I find like I had a lot of ovulations by tweaking some things uh, over the last little bit. So, but yeah, so that's kind of what I've seen, right? At that, It's that three month cycle. And I know if you, if you haven't got eggs, it's hard to establish that pattern, but if you're getting eggs and you've got a clutch of eggs, that's the benchmark, right? So is like that pattern that I, that I just said, you know, take the male out after she lays, you know, leave her without a male for a month and a half at the month and a half point put the male back in. And within a couple of weeks, they should go breed, you know, and that's kind of the two month mark. And then, you know, I leave the male in there even after I think she's ovulated for a little bit. And, and then kind of like maybe with a couple of weeks left before egg laying, I'll pull the male out, you know, or if she's showing obvious signs of being gravid, I'll pull the male out. Right. But it's one of those things. It's like, if they're doing okay together, I'll just leave them together because, you know, I don't know every single time if she's taken or not. Right. So that's the, that's kind of what I'm looking at. Now, I mean, I, I was told a few weeks after she lays is okay, but do you feel like that's too soon from your, from your, uh, experience do you feel like that month and a half is crucial to because i mean i could easily pull the mail and put them back but i i reintroduced after like four weeks um and i'm yeah. just curious if you do yeah. think that like like honestly i i mean i don't think they'll breed and like i don't think their cycle will will and I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, if there's people that know otherwise, maybe, I don't know. But like, it seems to me like the three month window is, is between clutches is kind of the standard for them, right? That's like almost like their biological potential. So right. for me, there's no rush to introduce the male in before the month and a half mark, right? Like, okay. and I'm a proponent of keeping everything. I mean, obviously pair them when you want to breed them and stuff. But I mean, once you're on that cycle, if you have... You know, if you can keep the female separate, it's only going to do her better, right? And I never have a problem with compatibility or reintroduction or anything like that. Um, so, I mean, yeah, if you have a female, it doesn't hurt to keep the male separate until she's beefed back up and, and throw them in there on that, you know, on that rhythm, so to speak. If you have the space. Yeah, definitely. You know, no, yeah, it's not it's not a problem. And, and I also think there's um, also, you know, even though she is eating well and stuff like that, like her body still looks like it's still recovering like it doesn't look like yeah. it's 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 at the point where she's looking rounded or anything and uh and then also i feel like that's it comes almost comes to almost breeding anything like you breed it too soon if there's no development or anything um you know either the male won't lock or it will lock and won't do anything because there's no development right so um yeah, yeah i think that's crucial so yeah, yeah they, have have, like, they have to have some fat built up for them to ovulate right and cycle properly right um, you know and and um, like, I mean, I've literally seen, you know, they get to, they get along, the male and female will get along. I keep them paired as much as I can or whatever, but like, I've literally seen females, you know, the male will come out of a hide when I throw food in or something and a female will have something in her mouth and she'll see that male coming and drop it and run. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. she knows, oh, there's, you know, there's the most dominant guy in my turf. So there right. definitely is some behavioral stuff and, and, uh, you know, if you want to, eliminate any variable that could be negative then it's best to take the male out if you can't but i mean i you know certain pairings are fine together but you encountered this yourself right one of the problems is is that males are quite aggressive feeders relative to females and if you just throw copious amounts of food in the enclosure 
and, and you know more than the male can eat every time and then so there's some left over for the female you're going to end up with a super fat male too yep that's what so, happened here yeah exactly yeah. oh that's that's the other problem so you have to if you don't have a female that's tongue feeding regularly and you can like just direct the food right to her so she can grab it then you almost have to pull the male out so that he doesn't become obese right yeah and there's also a period where the female should be eating more than the male obviously right like or you know or at some point right like especially if you're if she's i also heard if she's willing to eat every day feed her you know what i mean like if she's sure. willing and obviously it's not the same thing you obviously you want to keep it diverse which i feel is like important or just you know keep it insects um right now currently you're still just on crickets with calcium crickets or what, what are you doing right now as far as your your diet i forget <laughs> oh geez people are gonna hate me man oh let's hear this yeah because okay listen so like i i i over the last like let's say about a year ago i was like stumped man i was trying to sort out all sorts of perceived issues that i was having right i'd have some pairs that would do something some pairs that wouldn't you know for no reason like i mean captive bred you know f1 f2 animals that i produced myself that raised up i'm like how come you're not breeding wild caught ones that i originated with you know are just like trying to piece put the pieces of the puzzle together and you know at that time i was kind of like i had said before that i had fed pink you know like some mice once a week or something <clears throat> I was like at that time the last time i did the podcast I was like, oh cut it cut out mice right i thought maybe they're getting too fat although you know so i'm just i was trying a bunch of stuff right and uh um i don't necessarily think the mice were the issue <laughs> I actually, I know they were the issue pretty much. So, so I, I went back to feeding them once in a while, right? Not obviously every feeding or anything, but like, right. you know, a, like a little fuzzy mouse a week or something or whatever. So I, I, I am doing that again. I'm not going to say that I'm not. And and I, it, I'm not. I, I was going to talk to you about that tonight because I want to be honest. I'm not going to like sit here and say, oh, I've only been doing, you know, like you know, chicken hearts and liver and and, huh. and you know and, and in, no, dude, I'm sorry, but what. What got this girl so comfortable with me was giving her that little uh, mice pink or fuzzy. Like that's yep. what it, it's like crack to them. They love it. They, yeah, and, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and and but obviously there's times like 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 a for instance like the quail. Like I got I got my male to just really be in love with quail, baby quail chicks, right? Um, and you know I'll feed him one of those like once a week, you know, and then mm -hmm. he's basically on. You know he loves crickets and uh, but you know yeah he's he prefer crickets over grasshoppers, which really makes me mad because. I breed grasshoppers now, but now he just doesn't want nothing to do with them. I'll sit there, yeah. I'll sit there, and I'll think, oh wow, he ate them, and then I'll find the fuckers just right there in the corner, just sitting there, and I'm like, oh man, like so it's a bummer. But anyways, it's just whatever. I got to give them what they want. I feel like, um, but with the female, what got her in the zone were those mice fuzzies, man. And, and you know, I wasn't throwing her down her throat. And here's the thing too, she's she doesn't overeat. She'll have one, and she's good. And she's like, oh, yeah. no, that was great. And then she'll take off and do her thing. Um, yeah, but, uh, I was just gonna say, I mean. If you have a female that's breeding, like laying eggs every three months and, for, you know, like feeding her a couple fuzzy mice a week, you can't get her fat doing that, right? right. In my experience anyways. But, like, right. I'll avoid feeding males mice for sure. Like, I'll tongue right. feed the females and man like if the male's in there he he sees them coming and it's like you got to hold him away with the tongue you know what i mean right because yeah. he'll try and rip it out of the female's mouth so you can definitely get males fat because they're not burning the same calories that that the females are so i mean i don't know i mean i i, I use pinky and well not pink depending on the monitor type right i've used mice for 
years in moderation and never had a problem. And then, you know, at that time that I did the podcast, I was, you know, like I was experimenting, let's say, asking questions as to why things weren't breeding like they should. And that was one of the things, right? I was like, yeah. Oh, but then you think hindsight, it's like, okay, I've been doing it for so long. And, you know, obviously, again, in moderation, I, you know, obviously, they're, they're fatty, for sure. So, but in moderation, so, and I've had great luck all the way along. I, I was like, what can be the, the variables other than that, that could attribute to this? And I think I've, you know, figured, like figured some stuff out. So, yeah. Well, you know, listen, it was huge. It was a huge, uh, like, man, good feeling to see her go from, you know, because like I said, she stopped eating back to back days and then my, my good buddy josh um who's local to, he's pretty local to me like a few hours away from me, like two three hours away from me but um he's he's had success with his brasinuses and he's the one that gave me the heads up like if she's if she is not eating um pull that mail uh, and, and because you know it's funny she wasn't she wasn't digging yet um but when i pulled that mail a couple days later she started digging um and which was making me relieved because i had three different nesting options for her like you know what i mean i had the cork uh, shout to Cody, but Cody put me on game with uh, the cork nesting, you know, like in a big cork yeah, tube, yeah. right? She told me uh, yeah. she, she seemed to be messing with that a little bit, and then she went down to the very bottom one um, where she was doing her thing for a few days, man. And I'm like, like I kept going back. I'm like, and I would just see her legs hanging out, and I'm like, dude, is she is she okay? Frustrating thing in the world, right, dude? Like she'll just and, and like she'll be sleeping down there, and I'm like, yo, she you guys good? And and uh. And yeah, she's fine. She's just like doing her thing down there. And then, um, and then, then the morning came where she laid two, like she laid, like mm -hmm. it, it almost seems like she was on her way to the nesting to lay them, and she just dropped them on her way. It's what it seems like because she yeah. had she, she laid one, and then a few steps later she laid the second the, the second one, and then she laid the third one, perfectly inside the nest box. Yeah. Um, it's what I'm assuming. I, I doubt she did the one perfectly and then came out and laid two more i don't think that happened i'm thinking i'm thinking she was like yeah. oh shit, i'm laying these and and, and <laughs> i i don't know i mean i, I that's, yeah. that's all i could guess but you know i mean either way even though only one out of the three made it the way it should have in the nest boxing do you feel like it's just her still getting used to being a mother maybe or do you feel like there maybe need to be some tweaking with my nesting what would you have to say to that i think so man like uh i think it's the nest box they, she's just not happy with it and honestly buddy i'm like i don't know because i made a few changes which was great in terms of like getting breeding and ovulation and i have but now i'm starting to get a bunch of those females laying eggs and the problem i'm seeing now is they don't like the old style nest box that i have so wow. i posted a video on my instagram of uh, a yellow tree monitor laying eggs and uh, not laying eggs, but having like excavating the nest, right? And literally, she was doing the same thing that you're talking about. I have cameras in my shop, so I I can see what everything's doing from a distance. You know, I sit in the house and watch them. And man, she was in and out of the nest box, in and out of the nest box. And man, I mean, she looked like she wanted she could have laid days prior, right? I'm like, right. oh, this is, this is frustrating. And this is a nest box that's been tried, tested, and true for me in the past, right? Uh -huh. She didn't like it, didn't like it, didn't like it. And so I tried a vertical one, like a not a cork tube, but I just use like a, a green sewer 
tube and I put a piece of plow on the bottom with a hole cut inside. She went in and out of that, didn't like that. I'm like, oh, you little whatever. Yeah. uh, (laughs) Yeah. And then so finally I was like, I had three nest boxes in the damn enclosure. She didn't want to use any of them. So I took a bag of soil. I I put it on some other enclosures that I warmed up and literally just dumped a mountain of it in beside on the floor of the cage in beside the nest box. As soon as I did that and packed it in a bit, she went in the side of it, dug the burrow, gone for a day, came out, done. I was like, dude, the nest box is literally right beside that. Like, it's huh. a, well, it's a one-eighth piece of plastic in between the soil from the nest box and the soil against the wall of the enclosure, and that's what you wanted to lay in. So, I, dude, I... I I, I don't so know. Now, so now, so now you're packing soil around the nesting is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Which, so I that's don't know fine. That, that, that's a smart move. But how are you heating your nesting? Do you have it just right underneath the light, or or do you have it like where the ground's warm? How are you warming the? How do you keep the nesting where it needs to be as far as temperatures? Yeah. So because all my tree monitor cages are on on other in- enclosures, the lights heat each other. Right. Yeah. The lights from the the ones below heat the substrate enough. Uh, and that's historically what I've done with every monitor species. It kind of limits you in terms of breeding because the obviously the bottom enclosure and any stack of enclosures I can't use for nesting and egg laying. But, you know, they're good grow up enclosures and stuff. Wow. Yeah, because I, I got to tell you one thing that I don't know, I, I, I felt like temperature could have been a problem. Um, I, I didn't probe. I mean, sorry, I didn't like I was temp gunning, but I temp gun after I put, you know, because I don't have anything underneath it, right? It's just it's it's in a it's in a, a six by two, um, and it's on the floor, so I have heat on the side of it, I right? Know. Can you hear me? You're frozen on me, buddy. Can you hear me now? Oh no, is it there me? There oh, okay. was me. My Canadian infrastructure. It was you. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> I, dude. Yeah, I, I need to get a hard wire plugged into my goddamn. Uh, modem here but anyway sorry um but yeah i I feel like because of the heat source i feel like it it went it went better once i put the nesting closer to one of the baskings that i had and i felt Mm -hmm. like once i got once i was able to temp gun and get it to that 85 that's when she actually was like in there a lot you know what i mean um so i don't think i had it warm enough like long enough for her i feel like i adjusted it to later on where you know, I don't know. Who knows? I, I, I'm just trying to. But that I feel like that's another thing. A lot of people might maybe you know possibly go wrong is not first and foremost. Let's hear it from you uh, because the title of this episode is like, what are you know what are you know what's the biggest mistake people make when breeding tree monitors? Um, I've always heard not having proper nesting. We're talking about nesting. How true is that? You feel like? Um, you know what? I I I don't necessarily think that not having a nest option in the enclosure um prior to let's say mating like the, i don't think that's gonna stop the female from cycling properly right right i know lots of times i've you know shimmied nest boxes around and done things and i've heard from other people that do the same so i think they're gonna cycle and mate and and ovulate and do their thing regardless of a nest box being in there but you definitely need to have a nice nest box in there leading up to her egg laying, right? For sure. So, uh, and what that is, well, you, you know, you, you have to have warm soil for sure. So like 85 degrees Fahrenheit. Right. Um, but even throughout the night, you would say? Well, yeah. I mean, let's say she goes in the nest box, right? She doesn't, like if she's in there and digging around or and in a burrow, let's imagine this, she's, she dug a, a burrow and she's in there 
and she's sitting in there and the temperature of the enclosure starts dropping. Right. So she spent all that effort digging that burrow and then she's in there and she's like, Oh damn, it's cold in here. I can't use this. Right. So then she comes out. Right. So, um, I think that, yeah, I think that having a constant temperature now, this is where, this is where, um, the, the idea of termite mounds is, is, uh, interesting because I, I, again, I had my doubts about, about tree monitors, maybe using termite mounds as, as like our, let's say our suspended termite mounds in trees, uh, but they're regulated thermally right whereas the ambient in you know if you saw some of the data that that uh, chris applin put out about his trip to batonta um you know there's quite a fluctuation in temperature throughout the day right and it does get pretty cool so um you know maybe they are you know and, and then you think about it and you're like okay well how does the substrate in nature you know stay at 82 to 85 let's say something optimal now you know the land in the area has thermal mass but you know, there's going to be some fluctuation. So how do you, you know, what is it that, that they're doing, let's say, right? So what is it that is, if they need the constant temperature, which I think they need it at least warm, I think they need it above 80 for sure. So, um, so how to achieve that? Like lots of guys use heat pads under their nest box, which is fine. You know, it's great. Right. So, um, you know, I think that, that substrate has to be obviously warm but i think there's like a bit more to their nest option i think tree monitors man like i've used nest boxes that have been pretty big for tree monitors they don't like it they don't like going into this like cavity and having it being wide open they like to it's almost like they almost like to lay in tight spots and i'm seeing that with like what i just did with a few of them right where i've dumped dirt in the corner beside the nest box and there might only be four inches of space and you know a a vertical distribution of 10 inches let's say right and they use that over the whole nest box now you know my my boy brian there from sundown though he has pretty big nest boxes on the ground and his like that so you know i don't i don't know but i'm just all i can do is tell you what i think at this time (laughs) right it's like like i said i'm learning all sorts of stuff all the time too i went through like a uh, a rough patch of breeding monitors uh, like the tree monitor specifically there when the last time we did the podcast i had lots of doubts about things i was doing and questions and i think i've ironed a lot of that crap out so that's good but um you know what i said back then you know most of it's relevant but there's some things now that i'm like ooh, you know might <laughs> might not be as good as i thought at that point right <laughs> i'm not trying to mislead i'm just spitballing right so so I have something I can't wait to talk to you about because sure. when I when I found this out, I was like, I remember the friend I was with at the time, Andrew Acevedo. I looked at him. I'm like, dog, is this a, is this a for real thing? And he's like, yeah, this is what he does, and it works for him. And I'm talking about my my good friend from Staten Island, John Adrania from Sim Container. Okay, you want to know what he does? Like this, he keeps his lights on twenty four seven. He does not cut his light off at all whatsoever and i think that has so much to do with a lot of the comfortability of laying because like you said right a female wants to feel like the warmth is not going to change if she's laying she's about to lay so mm-hmm. if you keep that room the same shit 24 7 there's no confusion with the female lane i feel like and i feel like that's where you're getting at 
with the confined spots because how hard is it really to control the temperature in a big fucking bin full of soil? It's hard. Like that's, I mean, and first and foremost, like it, it gets tricky too. Like it just, I don't know. So yeah, if you put it like in my shop, if I put a probe in the soil, you know, from when the lights are on midday and it's kind of, kind of, uh, you know, maximum temperature in a big bin of uh, like a big nest box. And then if you shut those lights off throughout the night, you know, by the time morning comes that nest box will, you know, it'll drop five, six, seven degrees in temperature, right? It, it holds it pretty good because there's soil, but still it's not a huge surface area to hold that heat, right? So, you know, the, one of the ways to avoid that is to have a higher ambient temperature in your shop or room or whatever. Right, yeah. Yeah. So that's, you know, that, that will keep nesting, uh, nesting up, but, but yeah, like what John's doing there. I mean, that's really old school, right? Like keeping your, keeping your lights on 24 seven. I mean, that's something Frank Reedus used to say back in like 1995, dude. Yeah. Right. I mean, and, and, and I mean, yeah, I mean, but, but, you know, obviously, cause I was like, well, you know, and he's like, yeah, you know, the, the K John's cages are huge. And I mean, they're not yeah. like, but they're big enough where there's shade and there's darkness. If they want to go to sleep, mm -hmm. they'll go, if they need, if they want darkness, they could get darkness, but they always have that basking available for them. Um, and, he, and, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, is he breeding tree monitors like that too? I mean, his tree monitor lights were on. I can tell you that much. But he yeah. only has he only has a male Persinus. He only has a male Persinus that he picked up from Des and Steven. Yeah. Um, and, and and but that light stays on too. And and but the uh, the thing is, like, right for for my for my situation, I'm wondering if I were to because like I was cut my my I cut all my lights off at a certain point. You know, I, I give them twelve on. You know, twelve on, twelve yeah. off. Right. Um, but there's quite a bit of adjustment in the trap. Like it, it, it go it gets to like eighty two. But it'll drop down to 75. So that kind of adjustment, if I only have one type of heating on that nesting happening, which is on the side, the rest is going to get colder for sure. Um, but, you know, I don't know. But that's why I always hear that they dig closer to the warm spot. Like they're they're purposely digging to the warm spot. And where she laid this one perfect egg was in the deep, 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 deep corner of my nesting, like at the very, very bottom. And, dude, by the way, coolest thing ever was just like you know you get your finger and you're just following this like little road and then you you bump into it and i'm like oh like oh man that was the best feeling even though it was only one digging that one egg out of that box was like beyond christmas to me bro like yeah yeah oh man it was so awesome i was like yelling and screaming and like just because she used it like even though the other two didn't make it i was really happy that this one was perfectly exampled how it was supposed to be you know, oh, I got a question for you. Yes, is sir. the one that was laid in the nest box? Um, is it, it? It's the good one. It's the one that's making it right now. Yeah, it's the one that's the still here. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, dude. And the, and the other two were the off-color ones that we were talking about. Right. So sometimes, like I don't know, man. I think these females know which eggs are good as well and which eggs are bad. Like I would. Oh, that's a good point. Maybe she's like, I'm I not, I'm not putting. They don't want to lay a good egg in with bad ones. So I've had, I've had Aki's pull soft eggs out that are duds mm. from the rest of the clutch. Uh, I'm ball python breeders would know that oftentimes a, like a dud egg will be left out of the the coil of eggs. Uh, I think they know, man. It could be that's why she laid them outside the nest box or on the surface of the soil or whatever. Wow, be buried. And you know, this is why I, I love monitors because you're that smart. 
Like yeah. they're that smart to be like, this shit is not going to be a part of this. It's like it basically like threw it in the river. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's what they, they, they do that, right? They yeah. pull out dud ones oftentimes. And I find too, I find that nesting goes much better if the clutch is fertile. If there's dud eggs in there or it's a, you know, crappy clutch, let's say, they seem to struggle with where they want to put them and, it's just just my experience but it, like it's like it's almost like done and done when the eggs are good she knows what she wants to do where she has to put them when there's when they're infertile eggs or whatever it seems to always be like that long drawn out process too so now, I, I, I don't ask me why it doesn't make sense but that's what i what i what i observe i don't want to starve the rest of the mon tree monitor world because i know you know obviously i only keep persinas and i tend to favor what i keep <laughs> but i gotta ask you overall egg sizes or excuse me clutch sizes per species first and foremost persinuses what are your average clutches with persinuses for as far as how many eggs you're getting um i think the average across the board for for all of the well for for green trees i would say the average is five but i've received up to eight eggs before wow. in a clutch um yellows uh five is the norm i don't think i've ever gotten under or over five but I, I but the last clutch i had five eggs but one was infertile um my black trees they are like four eggers hmm. like almost across the board it seems um and the blues and the blues are five although i've had like that's those are my animals and then i've had uh one one or two six egg clutches but nothing above six so it seems like five's kind of like the the average magic number for all of them. Okay. You know, um, yeah, and uh, um, Bakari a little bit less for whatever reason. Same uh, temps, same temps in the incubator for all of them. Yeah, I do the same. Eighty-five Fahrenheit. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, the eggs are all the same size, roughly as well, uh, in my experience. Um, so yeah. Now, I kind of want to revert back to the nest box thing because moving forward, obviously, are, are, are we looking at anything to create something similar to a uh, uh, a termite mound or anything like that? Have you looked into anything yet? I'm curious. Well, let's just say if I keep having issues like with these recent females because of the adjustments that I've made, it seems to have kind of thrown off nesting. Okay. So... They're not particularly happy. So one of the ways I was thinking about combating that, and I've never been a proponent of this, was having trying the more elevated nest box up high so that it's near the lighting and the heat is, you know, up there a bit more. Um, so trying that or just like revamping the style nest box that I do. I, I, I don't know what more to tell you. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Honestly, the, 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 the yellow tree there that laid in that Instagram clip. It's like she has this big, beautiful nest box, awesome sand soil mix right there on the warm spot. And man, she wouldn't use it. I don't know if she was afraid of the color of the bin. I don't know, maybe, but I put a plywood top on it. Like, and then I literally just took a bag of black earth, straight soil, dumped it right beside the nest box, packed it down. And that's what she used. And you, you didn't put water on it or anything? Like, you just kind of just packed it down to how it came? Like, it was already kind of... Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't like... As long as it holds a burrow, it's fine, right? Right, right, right. Um, okay. Yeah, so I, 
why that is, I don't know. It's like she didn't like the entrance. And I'm starting to, I don't know, maybe I'm going to, what I'm going to try is all of my nest boxes have top entry, right? So they have a hole in the top. Okay. So I'm going to try, and maybe this is part of it. Maybe they, the, the female that entered that mountain of dirt did it from the side between the nest box. She didn't climb in from the top. And, uh, so I'm going to experiment with like more side entry stuff and more of like a concealed entrance to it like that. Literally that when she climbed into that side of the dirt from beside the nest box, it was like right up against like cork tiles and, and, uh, there was a bunch of bark on the wall there. Like she really had to struggle to kind of get in there. Like when she was gone for the 24 hours, I thought she was in one of the nest boxes. I didn't even know she was in there. I didn't know she'd entered it. I dug out the other nest boxes. Where the hell are these eggs? And I was certain she didn't lay there. I just did it as like a last ditch effort. And then she used it and she dug in from the side, like almost like ground level up, which is weird to me. Right. So, you know, I don't know how, what I've changed or how I'm doing things now is maybe triggering that. Cause not, that's not just her. I have another one that's seemingly doing the same thing. And, um, yeah, actually two other ones that are doing the same thing right now uh, where they're not super happy with their traditional nest box. So I don't, I don't know the answer to that. Luckily, I mean, in my experience, tree monitors, they don't necessarily get soup. They're not prone to getting egg bound. Right. Uh, they'll just end up dumping them, which is not ideal either, but, but Brad, yeah, Brad, I'm, I'm going to pause you right now. Okay. Right. I'm going to hit the pause because everything you're saying is so beneficial to anyone wanting to keep tree monitors, but we need to, figure this out there's a bit of an issue we have a uh, just shy of 90 people in the building okay we only have about 50 something likes do we blame americans or canadians for this who 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 do you feel like is not liking this episode out of the 30-ish people watching do you feel like it's majority americans or majority of canadians and we i want to be honest about this what do you think Oh, I don't know. Oh man, don't make me. It couldn't be my fellow country men and women. I don't think so either. I I think I think Canada's. I think well, as Brandon said, I think Canada has all the likes up right now. Is it my own American trappers that don't have the likes up? Can we, maybe they don't like us Canadians. I don't know. I'll put Canadians my Canadians are the nicest people, uh, other than maybe a couple in my mind. But there, there's like some <laughs> of the nicest people I've ever met in my entire life. Can we get the likes up for my man? Brandon Van Asten. This is also episode 300. Um, and also the nesting, which I feel like is a huge piece to what we're talking about mistakes when trying to breed tree monitors, because I do want to introduce you to something. If you don't know what this is already, Brandon, um, first and foremost, Cody, his name is right. Cody, um, treat the guy we were just talking about earlier. His name was Cody. Yeah. So Cody was somebody who really helped me understand how, you know, like for instance, he showed me all the different nesting options he had for his tree monitors and he showed me which one worked out which was so like about 12 inches from the the basking or whatever yeah. so i thought that was really intriguing i thought okay and also it was elevated like his isn't on the floor his is elevated yeah. right so i was like man there, there has to be something with this elevated nesting okay then i had somebody on the show recently named eduardo father blue do you know who father blue is yeah, yeah i saw that episode have you seen his uh, his work? Have you seen what he's working with as far as elevating nesting? Have you have you have a do you have any idea yet? That that um, that termite mounted one. Yeah, let's check it out. Yeah, that one. What do you think? Oh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> no, but I mean, no, but but would, would this be a prototype for you to maybe try out? Like, what, do you feel like this is something that 
like you know we're i i don't know like i i i'm i'm definitely into trying something like this because i mean i, I don't know i, I want to hear from you like what would you try something like this first and foremost i um be honest it's cool well, yeah, yeah, say no, no. I were and again i don't know if it worked because i've never used it but my initial thought on that is that the opening is too large um listen up eduardo adjustments check this out and listen yeah i i would say that that's too big of an opening and i don't know how they'd use that for nesting because there's like i mean it's very intricate and there's lots of air holes and stuff in it right so um maybe if it was a solid unit like that with a smaller hole yeah i think it, it would definitely be worth a go i mean that's my biggest thing is obviously we need to compact dirt in there right and there yeah, are, yeah. and 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 i feel like there's certain ways a tree monitor wants to go into something i don't know why but i feel like it would be more on top versus a side i don't i mean correct me if i'm wrong but i feel like something that's more up top i feel like is something they would want to go in versus something that's more directly like looking out i don't know is that am i tripping on that I guess I, you know what, I don't know how those, I, I mean, first of all, are there arboreal termite mounds in, you know, their natural habitat? Right. Like that's something that I don't know. Um, I'm sure there probably is something like that. So if there was, and they were using it, how they enter it, I don't know if they're using a hollow in a, in a, in the trunk of a tree, then you would expect the opening to be on the side. Right. Um, so but and like what i'm seeing is like they're not really liking or loving the entrance of the nest box in the top but that's just me i mean oh shit okay is in that top entrance nest box so it could be something totally unrelated like honestly could be the color of the lid of my nest box could be something that it smells like i, I have no idea right so like depending on I what mean, did, did steven has steven ever told you a shout to steven kush i miss you buddy um but has he never told you how his Persinus is lay eggs all the time? No. Just straight up on the floor. Like, yeah. like, 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 like on the floor, like, like, but, but like they, they, they bury them. Don't get me wrong. Excuse me. Yeah. But, but they're on the floor in the corner. Like they have a bunch of soil that's in the corner in the cage. And, but sometimes they do just lay it on the floor. Sometimes they do bury them, but sometimes he's, he's gone in and just seen three perfectly, like almost like a snake laid them and she, and, and, and it left. You yeah. know what I mean? And they're good eggs, and they go the distance. Yeah, I mean he's he's well, been, you know, they've, been, I mean, they've, they've been doing well, man. C congrats to them. I'm telling you. I mean that's the ideal situation, really. I mean if you have an enclosure and you can put twelve inches of substrate throughout the whole bottom of it, I mean there's endless options there, right? right, right. I mean that's that's historically been the the mo of of monitor keepers is to fill is to fill up the enclosure with twelve inches of substrate, and if you if you can't isolate what works in terms of a nest box or location in the enclosure then that's about your best option but if you can determine you know how they like to nest and you can minimize the amount of dirt you have to use by putting it in a box i mean that's that's then that becomes the ideal right so with all of my stuff i use nest boxes now for the most part because well with everything because i kind of understand what they like well at least historically what they like to lay in with all my odatria and everything and how you know i have different dimension nest boxes for different species um 
And then so, but it's just recently for the tree monitors, I'm like, why do you guys not like these nest boxes that you've used for bloody 10 years, right? So I, right. I don't know. You know, I've changed a bunch of other stuff. I mean, hell, like I said, it could be the way the new UV lights are reflecting off the plastic, a weird color. I don't know, right? Like, there's so much we don't understand. I, well, 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 I also don't think we should overthink it, too, because if they're, like, for instance, like, I remember Stephen telling me, like, this is where she laid. I'm like, oh, that's bad. But is it? They went the distance, and it yep. seems like that, that they're, they're working out. And so it's kind of going to that thing, like, find out whatever works for you. Like, John leaves the lights on 24-7. God bless mm -hmm. him. He, he's he's breeding laces that's a goal of mine i really want to breed laces someday you know what i mean um so he figured that out for him um steven and desiree figured out that just having an amount of dirt at the bottom because they do have a cage underneath it so they do have heat coming so that sure. works out right so that's that that, that makes sense um so I, I don't know but but like you know we we had because everyone has something to say as far as what they should do mm -hmm. and i feel like traditional stuff doesn't need to be the necessary step you need to just kind of become the new inventor and figure out what the fuck like i get props to eduardo and 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 coming up with that pro like coming out with that thing which is either way cool for like it's cool for them to hang out in i think that's sure. yeah sick. i mean it's a future kid it's you know. right right uh but 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 like kind of thinking outside the box and not doing what other people do and and you doing what you feel is necessary because you've researched things or like you said you've read certain things articles that came out straight from the you know people who came straight from the wild and figured out like you know there's really no rules to this you know obviously if you're doing best by the animal i feel like that's number one yeah um but like like, like good oh yeah like I, I mean man i i listen to these debates online and stuff about enclosure size and this that and the other thing and one of the problems that we have as a community even in herpiculture, but let's narrow it down to monitors is we have no, there's no standard for what success looks like. There's no, yeah. you know, and, and like, honestly, MJ, if I said to you, what does it mean to have a happy monitor and, and, and you're a successful keeper, how could you quantify that? What's the best metric to do that? Say that one more time. So if I said, you know, can you define what, you know, successful husbandry of a tree monitor is, for instance, right? So if I ask you that question, you know, define the criteria for success. What's the metric you're going to use to gauge that, right? We don't have that, right? All we have is... It's an idea. <laughs> hundreds of keepers with opinions. And I'm not saying yeah. any of it's wrong or right, but right. you can't say your opinion is more valuable than somebody else's yeah that's it. not factual because you don't we, we're all guessing here we're all guessing okay, well and this is it so what is the criteria that we can standardize you know success based on so that you know we can say well that's actually working because for me right now if you were to look at it what's the best metric it's reproduction if you can suggest something else that shows me that your monitor is happy then I'm all for it. But right now there's nothing and nobody can agree on anything. And unless you have that metric there that we can agree, okay, yeah, reproduction means that your monitor is at least happy and healthy and all of that stuff, then it's just an opinion. There's no metric, right? So there's nobody in my, like I, I listen to these debates all the time. Oh, you need to have this size enclosure. You need to have that, you know, it, it, it's all meaningless right? It's like, it's like the general society right now. There's no metric for success. There's no, 
you know, facts based anything. So it's like, what is the metric that we can agree on? And to me, the most sensible thing would be consecutive reproductions of your animal, right? So consistency and reproduction. I mean, I've said this before on other podcasts, your lizards, if they're miserable, they're, they're not going to breed like especially tree monitors. So if they're breeding regularly, then you're doing something right. Whether you're breeding them in a four by two by four or an eight by six by five or whatever. Right. But I mean, if you have an eight by six by five and they're not doing anything, then that's not the right enclosure. You know, like there's something wrong that that's the, that's what I see. Right. Um, so we have to, if you're, we have to establish some sort of metric for success and that's what we're lacking. So anything anybody says right now is just an opinion. I'm so that's happy. I'm so happy right now. I don't mean to interrupt what you're saying because what you're saying is very, very valid, but this has to be one of the few times I've had this happen before, but we have somebody who has something to say in the airplane. They're on the air right now. <laughs> I don't know if you know this person. I never heard about this person. Sorry, I'm blocking your face, but. Pat oh, I know this one. Yeah. Dollard. Dollard? Dollard? That's a sick name. Dollard, yeah. Let's, 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 let's read this out. Why not? Brandon is the man. I agree. I, I, I don't... Hey, listen. Drop a super chat if you agree on if Brandon is the man. Brandon is the man. I'm on a plane right now with Spotty Wi-Fi. Who's that your boy? Who's Spotty Wi-Fi? Oh, I get it. Spotty Wi-Fi. So Spotty, <laughs> yeah. I'm on a plane right now with Spotty Wi-Fi, but I had to see this question. And this is only because you're on a plane. I'm going to do this for you. Okay, buddy? Sure. I have a pair of Persinuses that are going on three years old. They have been cohabbed off and on and shown breeding behavior from early on, but I was concerned female was too young, small, and was stressed, so I have kept them separate for the most part. How old slash big should female be before breeding attempts? Well, let's see. That's a good question. So I've actually, like, um, so I've tried to, again, I've tried to make this kind of standardized information for myself across the board and look at breeding weights of females of, of the different species of tree monitors. So right. um, I would say that kind of the three-year mark is ideal. Um, I still think that because it, it roughly, you know, two, two and a half, three years, it takes them that amount of time to get to about that 275 to 300 gram mark is what I've, I've measured females now because I've done a lot of, um holding back of animals that i've produced and uh, it's often hard to like it's often hard to you know obviously all my animals were my initial animals were wild caught so you know i measured those females and and weighed them and okay how much stress was put in the capturing you know all of that stuff so now that you have your own offspring and i've been trying to assemble data and it seems like in between kind of that 275 to 300 gram mark is when they start to cycle. So if you can weigh them, that's what I've found. Now that's the start. So, I mean, females will get in, in my experience, slightly bigger than that. You know, the older they get, the bigger they get too. Um, males get way bigger than that, but that's kind of like the starting point. So my oldest female McCrayi, um, that I've been breeding for 10 years, she's like 295 grams. Mm. Uh, and that's just her body weight. She lays five eggs every clutch, sometimes six. And that's, so that's kind of the benchmark that I use in that range. Um, so, I mean, obviously I think weight's more important than age. 
Um, but that's, now, that, that, that's almost with any reptile. Like I feel yeah, like if, yeah. if you go with age, you're in a good place. If you try to fuck with weight and you think, oh, you know, she's this big, I don't care. Like, you know, I mean, I, I, I feel like be a little bit patient and, and that's going to pay off. Now, you know, okay. you want to talk patience and whatnot, you know, I don't have. That's you again, MJ. <laughs> Listen, I try not to brag about certain powers, but I feel like I do have certain powers. And these powers I speak of are trying to bring something to the table that we need. We were talking about earlier about somebody that we know who's successful at breeding tree monitors, and they do the old school nest boxing. And this person, I've seen their whole setup, and I mimic their setup. This is a guy whose setup I mimic. And, you know, if we're right about those eggs not being good and she didn't like them and she went straight and laid the good one in the egg, then then obviously this is a good method for me to stick to stick to. Right. But how cool would it be if I were able to get this guy that we were talking about on the show right now? And I'm talking about somebody who I know very well. I think, you know, him very well. Um, you know, he, he's, you know, we're, ah, listen, at the end of the day, you're number one in my heart, man. Uh, <laughs> you, you really are, but we're talking about America here. You know, we're, we're, we're talking countries here. This is my American hero when it comes America. to America. <laughs> we're talking yeah, and i'm in america but when i'm in canada you're number one but when i'm in america this is my number one here he is brian, oh, brian. <laughs> sundown reptiles in the building straight from dinner thank you for oh. being here buddy oh dude, hey, nice to be on with brandon this is so oh, likewise my friend this is epic, crashing man. just crashing yeah <laughs> How you living, Brandon? Or excuse me, how you living, uh, Brian? How's everything going? You're fresh from dinner right now, right? Thank mm -hmm. you for being here. Yeah, it's good. I've been actually listening to, I've been catching most of the episodes, so it's been, uh, it's been awesome hearing it. Yeah, now, you're, you're fresh back. Dinner. You're fresh back from Peru. For, for, remind me where you were at right now, Ecuador. I forget where you were at. Yeah, I was just down in Ecuador. So how how was the travels, man? Let's see, let's hear about it. Was it. Good. Got a little bit sick um, down there, but feeling better, a lot better now. But it's good. Spent some time in the Amazon and up in the Andes, and so it was great. It was a good good trip. Good to be away, and good to be back. So yeah. real quick, highlight of the trip. What would it be? Um, twenty foot anaconda. Wow. Woo. Yeah. What the fuck? Twenty foot, bro. It was a beast. It was a beast. Wow. <laughs> Impressive. Um, now, Brian, listen, I, I got to say again, thank you on so many different levels because, like, you're a huge inspiration, bro. And what I mean by that, it's like not only are you informational, but you're like you you, you go on people's podcasts and you really elevate things and, and really bring a lot of life to what we have going on. So I want to say thank you for that. Um, but you're coming in during a great time because we're, we've been talking about nesting, like nest boxing a lot and whatnot. And, um, you know, I, 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 there's so many different ways you can look at about nesting. Right. And, and Brandon and I were talking earlier about how you're a traditional nest boxer, like meaning the success that you've had throughout all your tree monitors, you would say all lay in your nest box. Correct. My, yeah, my first, uh, I mean, my nest box design was from Brandon's setup and from high um, down at Naked Dragon. So I was kind of hitting them both up to get thoughts on their designs when I was kind of, you know, first going out with, with getting clutches. So yes, that has been the tradition. And I, and I, and I am, so anything like I've, I'm, I'm caught up with everything. So, you know, anything that, uh, that you guys kind of have been talking about, I'm, I'm on point with it. So we are. Okay, perfect. We're so we're, so. Yeah. 
uh, I do want to ask you then, you know, because before I go off, I don't feel like I serve this guy enough justice behind what he's doing. And, and I do want to hear it from you and you, Brandon, because this is like, he heard what we just said and came out with the new version. Here it is. So this is <laughs> just kidding. No. So he has a large version of what we were talking about. And the hole is a little bit hole is a lot smaller it's as you small, can see. Yeah. Um, but you know, listen, you know, these, these termite mounds that are, heard about as far as where they like to lay but we're talking a boreal type nesting um is that something even though things work for you brandon are you opposed to trying new things or are you like are you or not, i'm not brandon i'm sorry brian but are you opposed of adjusting to something like this even though something on the ground works for you or where do you stand with like a, a design with like this and 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 i only want to bring this up because for somebody to have the balls to come out and do something out of the box and do something what a lot of other people aren't doing. I give this guy props. So I, I would like to hear from two of the best in the game on maybe what he can do to maybe tweak this or, or if Brian, if this is something you wouldn't even want to use because what, what you use works. I want to hear from you first, Brian, if you don't mind. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, so first of all, the, the biggest thing that I see looking at that is I would say the, the holes I would, you know, for Eddie, my thoughts on this um, would be that that bottom half underneath that hole, that all needs to be solid. Right. Um, Cause you got soil in there and that female is going to want, they're going to want security. Cause when they're digging, it's kind of like what you said earlier, MJ, when you were following the tunnel with your hand and bumped into the egg. So it's like the same thing. I think you'll want the bottom to be completely solid. You can still keep the webbing design. I think that looks cool, but um yeah you don't want dirt falling out of there and you also want to keep it moist inside of there those are the two biggest things that i think and, and like kind of like brandon was saying is that you know you'll have picky females and so i'd yeah. love to try something like that for a picky female what, what about you brandon yeah man i mean like i said i'm <laughs> i'm experiencing some, some experiencing some interesting nesting stuff so i've been mucking around with a whole bunch of stuff over the last month but yeah i mean i'm I'm game to to try anything, right? If I had a female that was religiously laying nicely in a nest box, like a traditional one that I would use, I wouldn't touch that at all. But in something that I'm experimenting with, for sure, I'd try it. Yeah. Now, I mean, I feel like something also that's important is kind of the depth of how much soil is is involved. And and you know, this is something that I've been preached about from like Brian Waterloo and other big tree monitor or other big, big monitor breeders is that, you know, you don't need the biggest nesting in the world, but there's some sort of a deepness that they like to have and they feel comfortable with. Um, and what's crazy is like I said, that one egg that she laid perfect was at the very bottom of the fucking corner closest to where the, to where the heat tape was at. So, you know what I mean? Like maybe was she even gone even deeper? I don't know. Like, so I don't know if deeper is your best friend when it comes to that. Because again, if you could remind me, Brandon, when you just dumped that soil next to the nesting, you said there was about 12 inches or how, how much was on yeah, that? I'd say, I'd say it was about 10 inches. It was the full height of the nest box. It was, okay. yeah. So it was about that. But like I said, she went in from the side of that, like where she could weasel in in a little crack between the cork bark and stuff that she entered it from the side. So right um and she laid it she didn't dig right down to the bottom she like entered from the side and just went perfectly horizontal and kind of laid mid pile there mm -hmm. so 
which like that was a last ditch effort on on that one that was like i could see she was not happy with any of the options like man i'm just gonna fill the damn enclosure with dirt and i'll start with this and she chose it so um i think i even said that in the video i was like oh you know this is this this isn't something that i would typically do but i could see she was having a hard time so yeah but usually they'll dig down to like the the bottom of the box right i mean and, I have... and, and they lay all together right my because i've only obviously i've only had one to dig out so i'm, I'm curious like do like if they lay five or six are they all like clumped or are they like in a row like how how does it usually work with that yeah they're clumped in like a chamber at the at the end right um okay, got it I, I mean, at least again, in my experience, I think that, uh, and a lot of it too, is they, they have to lay their eggs like that. Like, you know, turtles do a, a lot of reptiles do because they have synchronized hatching, right. For safety of the offspring. Right. So, um, yeah. So they, they stimulate each other to hatch to some degree, I think. So, you know, I was given Brandon, uh, well, I don't know, man. I mean, obviously we know that Brandon's on that level, Brian, as far as production goes, um, with mm -hmm. almost any kind of monitor he works with, um, with you particular, Brian, like, what, what do you think is going to flourish the most for you with all your monitor projects this year? Like what, what, what are you feeling really good about this year? I'm curious. Brandon's waiting. We got to do some, Brandon and I are going to do some swapping of some stuff. Oh, that's uh, the, I, I, I want to be a part of that world someday. That's what I'm talking about, man. Like, this is great. Let's hear more. I want to, what, what are we talking? What species are we talking about here? I mean, I think it's just like a matter of having anything that is anything that's of breeding age. You know, at, at this point with the tree monitors, I expect to go um, that's that's healthy. You know, you hope. I still have a couple. Like, I have a yellow that's been a stinker that I'm going to try just a different male with. But, um, you know, she's one of those weird nesters, too. And I do want to say kind of to, like, I have a couple thoughts that when I was listening earlier that, that come to mind. While it's it's awesome to have that that example of nesting in a termite mound i think that there's a lot of unknowns out there in the nesting world when it comes to tree monitors you know just because that happened that once that isn't the 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 set situation for every single nesting female out there and i think there's a lot of possibilities that <clears throat> there could be and you know unfortunately like i it would be nice to I don't know of any like biologists who are currently like studying. I know we had, you know, Chris that went out and, and visited, um, but like a, a biologist who's out there working with these things every single year and is tracking them or something like that would be really beneficial. Um, I hope some, somebody takes that project on because I think we could gain a lot of really interesting information on that. Maybe it's, you know, rotted out tree stumps, maybe, um, yeah, who who knows? I think there's a lot of a lot of possibilities, but um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like the like you the, like the rotted out tree stump, or let's let's even call it compost is a great mm -hmm. thought too, because that that will generate its own heat. You know, yeah. so maybe they search that out in some form somewhere. Like you know, maybe you try and think about, about that getting into a tree hollow over time. Debris would build up in there, but you know, leaf litter, if it's, uh, you know, accumulated, that sort of stuff too, right? That would generate its own heat. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's uh, unknowns, but. Oh. What's what's the known on the most 
like what's the hottest tree monitor in the game right now? Like what I mean by that, like what's going to be the quickest to sell if you guys produce it? Or they are, or, or do they all take off on the same? Like, I mean, I feel like almost they would, but I mean, there has to be one that's more craved than the other. You would say, well, I, I don't have certain things that you guys have down there. Right. Like I don't have, uh, I don't have, uh, Cordensis up here or, Bomei, right? So for for me, like everybody, Brandon, 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 like I, I, am only knowing about Cordensis because you we, we talked about that earlier, and I, I googled it. So, so for the people who don't know what species of tree monitors you're speaking of, can you can you talk to like you know like the knuckle dragger type lame, lame in terms of it that way, <laughs> please? That's <laughs> me, that's me. Yes. I'm a knuckle. I'm a knuckle dragger, bro. That's it's me. Varanus Varanus Cordensis. It's the Bioc tree monitor. It's uh. Wow. Yeah. So, so I, I haven't had the, I haven't been able to source any and uh, they haven't come into Canada ever because we get nothing. Um, so for me, this is where I was going with this. For me, everybody seems to really, really like blue trees and there seems to be a high following for blacks up here. So those are the two that are my, my best sellers. Who has BX? Does anybody have BX that you guys know, or, or who keeps BX? Do you do you keep BX, Brian? Um, I've got some. Yeah. Why, why do you say it like that? What's going on? Um, What's going well, on with your BX? Like, I don't like to talk about stuff until I know I'm like successful with it. You know. Oh, so, so you got them. All, all you want to say is that you got them. I don't. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I'll, I'll say I'll share a little bit of fun news. Thank you. Hey, 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 episode three hundred, buddy. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. You're the man. I shared it with Brandon. Um, and, you know, again, it's like I don't I, – I keep – I like to stay low on radar with stuff that I'm not producing because there's so many variables. It's like, yeah, if you get a – you know, something breeds and you start jumping up and down and then eggs go south or something, that's why I don't normally like talking about stuff. But, yeah, when I was gone in on the trip, I did get some photos from uh, a buddy of my, or my, my keeper, Mike, um, who watches my collection is my right hand guy over here. And, um, he sent nice. me some, some photos of, of a pair of the Cordos copulating and locked up for like four hours one day and two hours the next day. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully that'll go well, but, uh, I'm going to be sending all those up to, up to Brandon. So. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> but let's kind of talk about the big differences between, because a BX is close to a yellow, right? Am I am I right? Uh, They're all uh, separate species, so yeah. you've got. But, yeah, you've but, got but if, we, if we're talking about color, like the co closest to coloration, it, it's more it looks more like a yellow, or does it look more like a green? They're kind of like turquoise with black webbing. Is the best okay. way to describe them. You can have some that are like a darker green than others, and then some that are lighter. But this trips me out, bro, because like I've seen some yellows that look more like green. And then I know I've showed you mine and you told me for sure mine is a uh, a Persinus. But is this off right here? I mean, this. Oh, no, this is a this is a yellow. My bad. This is not a BX. I take it back. Fuck. I fucked up. <laughs> but they but, but they look very similar is what I'm saying. Like some of them can almost look like was mine a yellow or a green and That's then I, and then i see some green that look very blue like like the quote-unquote emerald so i don't know it's kind of confusing sometimes i feel like yeah yeah i could be wrong i'm, I'm just saying but what's I mean, there's no mistaking a green right brandon wouldn't you say there's no oh, mistaking yeah. A green. yeah 
I mean, there's some localities of green. There's some locale differences, but yeah, I mean, to once like to me, I mean, I've never seen a cordensis in person, so all I see is pictures. But it to to me, and and I'm sure Brian's the same, right? It's like night and day between you know a, a cordensis and a prosinus, right? Um, just because you know your eye is trained to see things a certain way, I guess with them, right? Yeah. yeah. Especially when you work with more than one species, obviously you're going to fucking yeah. know. And, and I just only worked with one. And just like anything yeah. else, pictures don't do anything justice. You got to see the shit in person and then it changes everything. Um, but, you know, kind of going back to the, you know, if, if we're talking about a species that's more delicate, right? I mean, like, okay, so Brian has definitely dabbled into the chondro game. Um, and you know, certain chondros that you breed locality wise could be difficult feeders or difficult eaters, right? Or, or whatever the fuck is, is that, is that the case with any kind of species of tree monitors? Brandon, you go. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I, not on a species level. I, I, I find that they're all pretty good. Um, the, you know, I would yeah, man, it, it's all individual, but they're all good. I mean, my Bakari are ferocious relative to everything else, it seems. They'll, you know, they'll eat anything. They all eat off tongs like crazy. Um, I think Brian has the same experience with his McCrayi. So it could be like the, the lines that we're individually working with. But I don't think there's anything that is like a particularly picky or finicky feeder um, out of any of the species. There's one. I don't think there's one more delicate than the other. Uh, that's what mm -hmm. I think. I feel like it's I feel like it's when I've seen picky feeders it's never been like any of the captive bred animals I have never been a picky feeder but some like long-term captives or animals that are imports you see can be pretty darn picky and maybe will be something that holds out for a certain food item but that's the only time I've noticed any sort of pickiness in feeding is uh you know with some sort of a, a long-term animal or some imported animals, the only time I've noticed that. Oh, so this is the Cordensis. Am I correct? This thing right here? Yeah, that's a younger one. Yeah. But <clears> like they, the, the green with the blue tail like that, that's how it is? Like, that shit looks they'll crazy. Drab, they'll drab out too as they get older as far as like... You can have animals that have varying degrees of black. So some don't have all the like the black going when they're older but um some do some retain it it kind of depends there's definitely variability with it yeah i could definitely see something different with it um now you know kind of going back to like let's talk about how your guys' cells are going um as far as like are you guys able to keep up with what people want or is it kind of like you know because i noticed brian you know, which is kind of, I would love to be on this level someday, but to make a wait list, like, oh my God, like that's fucking, that's <laughs> legendary to be able to have, to be able to do that. You know what I mean? Um, but Brian, for the most part, if you want to go first, can you keep up with your wait list? Do you feel like, or do you feel like it, it depends the time of the year? Like, you know, for instance, the ball Python game, right? There's people talking about a recession and whatnot and, and whatever, but it seems to me like you have no problem selling tree monitors. Um, yeah, but correct me if I'm wrong, but let's, let's talk about that real quick. Um, sales have been pretty good throughout the year and, you know, with reptiles, I think there's always ebbs and flows. Um, there definitely is. So, um, in that respect, like, yeah, it was, it was pretty strong and recently, you know, things have been, yeah, it just, it ebbs and flows all the time. Um, 
things have caught up with the list. I do have, you know, babies um, that are from, you know, from both yellows and blues available right now that aren't spoken for. So it's recently there's been a little bit of a lull, but it always picks back up, it seems like. So uh, it's been good all in all. Brandon? Yeah, same. It's pretty steady. Um, you know, like I said, my production suffered there a year ago or so like so i didn't have a ton ton to offer got some stuff sorted out but like i haven't historically i haven't had any trouble selling anything but i mean i it's my market is a lot different than than yours right we have what 35 million people in canada and 10 of them like reptiles so uh, <laughs> no so, i don't know well okay so no 10 of them ten, no, ten, no 10 of them like monitors yeah yeah that's and, right. and three thousand three three like ball pythons uh, yeah that's right so so I, I mean, I'm, I'm in the export game, right? So I, I, uh, I've had the necessity to do that over the years, um, to, to reach out to markets. So I'm well versed in exporting. So when I, you know, when I've done that, I've never had a problem, you know, selling what I have. So that's that's good. But it's uh, like Brian saying right now. I, I do. I actually have one one tree monitor that's not spoken for. It's like one green tree that is not spoken for um and uh what's yeah this, what's so, the sex i don't know to be honest i think it might be a female that's one of the reasons i haven't been in too much of a rush to try and sell it but um you know i i, I with i had the those i put those green trees up um i had a wait list and then it's like a I never collect deposits for a wait list, really, just because um, I always felt I didn't need to, right? If somebody backed out of the wait list, then I would just go to the next person and they've always sold. So I never, I never really liked taking people's money without, you know, um, you know, without animals hashing or uh, hashed or that. I just never felt the necessity to. But this, this clutch, um, you know, I went through the wait list like a bunch of people and a bunch of people backed out, right? So um and it's just the times right i think it's just the the looming recession i mean inflation's going through the roof high, high, you know i had a european guy um want like five of each color and um you know blacks greens yellows blues and uh, i was like yeah yeah i can accommodate that and I, again i was not a big deal i didn't I had eggs at the time or whatever. And, and then, you know, he gets back to me and he's like, uh, you know, hydro so expensive right now. Heating is so expensive. I can't even afford to keep the stuff that I have. And he's in Europe. So like all of those things are having a, having an effect. Right. Um, but again, I think, I think if I had, you know, a bunch of blues up here right now, I'd be able to move them. I just don't have anything hatching for a little bit on those, but, but yeah, so. No, no, at the end of the day it's captive bred tree monitors i don't yeah. think there's ever going to be a struggle in selling captive bred animals yeah. Yeah. just like a chondro almost right like i mean would yeah. you say would you would you put that on even, the more, even more so though the fact yeah, that right. like even more so than than a chondro because there's just not enough there's not enough production you know yeah and there, and there are people kind of figuring out the chondro thing even though they go through their nightmares there's still people who I could think about it. There's some people going 15 for 15. Like there, there, there's people getting good results off maybe one or two clutches and then they'll go through their nightmare again, but still like there's enough of that kind of going on in the chondro world where it's kind of, it is, you're right. It's more, 
it's more happening in the condor world than it is a monitor world. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, so the tree monitor world. People producing condors. Yeah. Um, how about this? Um, you know Gary Shavino? You guys, any any of you heard of Gary Shavino? GS Reptiles. Yeah. Brandon, yeah. I've heard of him. Yeah. He loves carpondros. You know what carpondros are? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, he can't. He despises them. But hybrids. How do you get? How do you guys feel about hybrids? And what I mean by that, like, there's not much talk about a blue going into a black or a black going into a green. Is that like forbidden, or what's the deal with that? I'm curious. Uh, uh you know what? I mean, for me, I, I wouldn't do yeah. it personally. Right. Um, I, you know, people. The, I just like to keep things pure, right? Even when it comes down to like red and yellow ackies, they're the same species now, but I still right. like to keep the original lineages separate. So I, I don't know. I don't think that you're going to produce anything that's magnificently different than what we already have. I mean, I don't necessarily think that they're going to use offspring from, you know, captive breeders to, repopulate the wild at least in the immediate future so i don't think that's an issue but i don't know i would just i'm a purist in terms of that i guess um part if i thought maybe something like oh you're going to produce this insane looking thing i might try it once but i don't believe that i don't believe that you'll get anything better than the pure lines anyways you know i don't know I, what do you think? yeah <laughs> yeah i agree i don't i agree i think that it is uh it is interesting as far as how people can get super ruffled about uh you know doing any sort of hybridization but you know with the whole carpondo thing are these animals going back into the wild no as long as people are honest and representing their breeding and you know that's that's yeah. really what matters at the end of the day but i would agree with you yeah i, don't, I wouldn't plan on doing any crossing of anything at all like you know if it's one thing I'm very happy about where I'm at in life is like, man, there's certain customers I, I always want to take care of, man. Like I, I have certain people who've literally like, like they're buying from me, but I'm like, are you just like, like, man, you really want to buy stuff for me. And I love them for that. Like, don't get me wrong, but I also want to make sure I do right by them. I want to make sure that whatever it is that they're buying from me, whatever their goal is, I hope they're doing the right thing. Uh, and I'm pretty sure you guys are like that with certain customers. I mean, I'm sure you guys have people who are dying to breed tree monitors and they're, I'm sure your guys' DMs are full or your fucking inboxes is full of questions. Um, but if we can be honest right now, how many of the, your customers are actually being successful at breeding tree monitors? While you're talking, I'm going to take a quick leak. I can hear everything. Uh, and whoever whoever wants to go first, please go ahead. Uh, but yeah, I can't hold this. I got to go. Uh, uh, but yeah, I can hear it. Go ahead. Okay. I'll start. My, my first clutch of uh, yellow tree monitors i ever hatched i sent some into the u.s and one of the first people to ever buy a yellow from me is quite successful with them now <laughs> more successful than me his name's brian <laughs> correction i remember when you had those yellows i was hounding you <clears throat> i was not able to get a yellow from you brandon you oh really you had to buy it secondhand through uh, it was secondhand it was secondhand, so I couldn't I couldn't get them from you. It's they were such a limited was, number. <laughs> I was so ragging sorry. you. I was ragging you to get them. That was actually the first time we had. I think we had communicated. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to get yellows from you, but no, I um, I think Forrest snagged two of them from you. Is that right? And then yeah, he, they both went male. So 
one of the ones I, I got indirectly was, oh, okay. was in your forest. And yeah. Uh, yeah, glad I have it. It's a stud. <clears throat> I couldn't use it. <laughs> that was a problem. I only had probably two I wanted to sell because it was my first clutch of them ever. How many uh, did you keep back from that clutch? Three. Three, and they all went female. No, 2.1. Really? What oh, happened? Sorry, 1.2, not 2.1. Do yeah. you still have the male? I don't have that that other male. Because mm -hmm. I had the original male and they were siblings, so I wasn't going to breed anything back to those females other than a wild caught. Gotcha. You know, a new blood. So I ended up getting new blood, but yeah. Did that well, animal have... come out? Did that one make it into the States then? That, that male from that pair? I don't know. I'd have to check. I'm not was sure. Five? Was there five babies? Five babies total. So two went to forest. I have two still. And there's one from that initial clutch in, in limbo. I'd have to see. But at that time, I was selling them all through Jordan Russell, right? So, right. Uh, like, when I would ship into the States, I was doing it, you know, once a month or so or once every couple months mm -hmm. with Jordan. So it's quite possible that I sent a secondary one in. But I think I would have sold it to you if uh, – if it went back into the States. Yeah. Yeah. I have a well, question. That was, that was inspirational, man. Back, you know, you were doing all those, all the production of, of these tree monitors and just like holding the, the shot of them all in your hands, dude. That was just, <laughs> I mean, this is pretty, this is a pretty iconic moment. If you mind me, like, 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 like look at that. Shit. that was, yeah, dude. That's fucking yeah. nuts, bro. But, but obviously there's Aki's in there too, right? Well, yeah, the, the, I think the shot Brian's talking about. Those is, are hybrids. Those oh, are hybrids. Those oh, are Silvara black tree hybrids. Oh, you're yeah. talking about. Oh, I know which one you're talking about. There's like a there's like an iconic one. Hold on, I'm gonna pull that one up. I know which one you're talking about. It's the it's the like yeah the it's the, all the colors. Uh, yeah, with the exception of blacks, because at that time I didn't have black tree monitors. But there's a yellow, green, and a blue, and then I have a Kimberly and a Pilbara as well in my hand. So. And that's the, thing. And the crazy thing about those is those are all legit captive bred. You see people doing those photos and they've yeah. got a bunch of wild caught animals. Those are all animals that were produced in captivity, which, you know, that's pretty freaking badass. And especially those for the are, time back then. He's in the foothills, be, man. His signal's bad. Look how fucking hot that is, bro. That is so, I mean, I know this ain't the photo, but still like this is like, this is next level um okay brandon i have to ask you man one thing I, I i loved about forrest is like he could get his hands on whatever the fuck he wanted clearly he had he was a he, he was a reckless man with a credit card with no spending limit on it right so he, yeah yeah and that i'm sure that's what he did but how like man like what, what's your most memorable forest fanning moment that you could think of and maybe share because that's literally that's one of my best friends in the game that i was able to kind of get mentored under and first time i ever heard your name was from forest and whatnot but you have anything that you could kind of share with us like a, a good forest moment that you could share with us well yeah i mean well forest the the first time like i didn't really know of forest until he messaged me around this the time of those yellow tree monitors and he sent me a message and i was like fielding all sorts of messages and uh you know i was pretty direct like that's probably a fault of mine when i like respond to people online somebody said oh you're like a robot it's just like yes no blah blah, blah you know what so i'm not intending to be an ass or anything but so forest, <laughs> forest, 
Forrest was asking me about the yellow trees. It's probably the same situation with Brian at the time. And I was just like, you know, fairly direct. Yes, no, you know, uh, very, very direct. Anyways, so Forrest had mentioned to Jordan, he's like, yeah, he's like, that Brandon guy he doesn't want to say too much or whatever like this, right? So then I had to message Forrest and I was like, buddy, I'm so sorry. It's just, I'm not, you know, I'm not a texter typer. I'm like a conversationalist. So I know no ill will intended, right? But so there was that. He bought the lizard. He's like, it's all good. And then I was at the Canadian Reptile Breeders Expo up here and there was this guy standing at the table at my booth and he was like he's a big guy right and he was there forever and uh you know kind of talking to him but i had a bunch of other customers and he's like gravitating to the monitors and then and then i looked at him and i was like is this him and he comes up and he's finally he's like hey i'm forced i'm like holy shit buddy good to meet you finally right so he like hovered around for a while and then we talked for like a couple hours yeah, and, and when he and when he hovers he hovers on oh, he's a yeah. big motherfucker. And, and was, he's a giant bro. yeah he's a big boy right so i was okay. like so then when i knew found out who it was and i found out obviously he was like super passionate about monitors and tree monitors then you know i kind of like ignored everybody else and it was just forrest and i yapping away right yeah <laughs> so, what did you you did you have much of a relationship with with uh, Forrest Brian? I'm not sure if you did or not. I, I don't know if you knew Forrest Fanning. Yeah, it was late in the game, right? Um, but I'd been over to his facility and was looking at some of the uh, the tree monitors that he had for sure. And so yeah, I mean, he definitely had quite the collection. That's for sure. Hmm. And, so. and 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 if I'm not mistaken, the Persinuses that are going really well for them are the ones that they got from you. The the, the from what I know, they're. Right? Am I? Am I? Is that correct, Brandon? Uh, yeah, buddy. If I, if I you knew, <laughs> I, I hope so. They've had him for a while. They've had him for a while. I hope so. I think it is. I think you're yeah. right. Yeah, they are. They're really nice. They're blue looking, but they're they're greens and they're fucking gorgeous, man. Like they they almost yeah. they literally look emerald. Like they look like the babies when they're born are blue looking. Is that is that how it is for all green trees when they're first born? Uh they're they're super variable, buddy. Right. Like, okay. um. I don't know. Like, uh, it's it's just kind of the luck of the draw of when you, if you were to get imported animals, where they come from, like what locale they are. I think, like, I have some really lime green ones. I have ones that I would call like a bluish blue line. Um, so they're quite, quite variable. They have a big range, right? So there's a lot right. of differences. Like, and you could see, like, I mean, if you look at ones that that are imported you can almost see like oh those ones were all imported together from this trapper or dealer from this locale because they look totally different than another guy who got them from indo that all the ones he has right so right. um you know it's it's it all depends and i see the same thing with the green tree or sorry the yellow tree monitors right it's like some when they come in they look really yellow and then you get you know a guy advertising a bunch you know, he'll have five of them and he imported them and they were all gathered from probably the same location, you know, uh, as well. And it's like, it's like a locality thing within the wild population. So, um, you know, there's, that's what you're seeing there. I believe anyways. I think that's interesting with the greens, especially yeah. <clears throat> because yeah, you don't like, there's so many greens that are brought in and there's so much variability. Yeah. And, uh, you know, all we can do is make presumptions. And and I think, you know, it, until you really have a good sample size of a known locality, you know, how, how are you going to know it's a certain specific locality? Right. 
right? right? It's all guess. It's like, oh yeah, well, what are you basing your guesses off of? What are you basing that information off of? Because it's like certain localities could just be an export area and, and who knows if somebody, yeah, went out and trapped animals from 50 miles one way over a mountain or somewhere else that could be a total different, uh, you know, population. It's, that's an interesting thing that I kind of, I'm very curious about more so than like, you know, people hybridizing is just like with the greens, especially is kind of where they're all sure originated from. But I think the only one you could tell, well, I don't know. I could be wrong, but the Maruki is pretty obvious. I, I think that's kind of like the, the Holy grail of green tree monitors, right? <laughs> if you could find some good Maruki ones, those are nice. But I, I was, I, I've been uh, talking with a guy in Australia who has uh a pair of well he has a few green trees and the pictures he sent me of his uh, northern australian ones are like really they look really blue i don't know if it's the photo or what but they, i mean pattern wise they look similar but they look just really blue too i'm like oh those look really nice i'm, I'm wondering if the size has something to be a difference because anything kind of in australia is going to be bigger you would think right I well mean, and that was i was going to say that too in the pictures now i didn't have much for reference in the pictures but i was like those look like pretty robust animals, right? So yeah. I don't know. It's possible. I mean, let me ask you. I mean, I don't know, ask you, but let me tell you this. From what I saw that came from you, these tree green tree monitors that looked pretty blue to me were fucking big, bro. Like these were big monitors. Yeah. Now, now I gotta tell you though, I mean, they they only eat rodents. I can tell you that much. Like they're yeah, yeah, yeah. they're they're on, they a, on a they live on a rodent farm. <laughs> yeah, it's true. They're kind of like, God damn, you eat Burger King every day. Well, you know what? My dad's Mr. Burger King. So what do you want me to do? <laughs> he owns the franchise. Um yeah. but yeah, well, that'll have something to do with it for sure. I mean, but uh, again, right? It's like they'll keep growing their whole life. So those ones wouldn't be, you know, they'd be probably six years old by now, I'm sure. Five, six, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there you go, Brian. Oh, there we go. Yeah. And that's interesting too. Like if you look at the difference between the yellow and the green and that, a lot of people when they just see a yellow not side by side to a green as a hatchling. I mean, I can't tell you how many times people are like, oh, you got greens. How much for the greens? It's not a yellow. But when you put them side by side like that. So the, green, the greener one's on the right, not the left. No, or the green's on the left. See, that's confusing. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. I love it, man. This is fucking sick, man. Um, honestly, you know, Kimberly's. I'm obsessed with Kimberly's. I'm not gonna lie. I went over to like, you know, I was at John's house from Sim Container. He has so many different species of monitors, dwarf monitors that he works with. But the Kimberly stood out to me the most. Um, because they're like so like rapture-ish, but they're small, slim, and you know, they're they're quick, like they're quick monitors, right? I mean, from what from what I've from what I've seen, uh, and, and I don't. Do you work with any dwarf monitors, Brian, or no? Just the Pilbarenses. Well, but. those are sick. those are sick as fuck too, by the way. Yeah. Um, but Kimberly's Brandon. Um, what's it? What's going on with the? Um, you know, I don't know. I feel like Kimberly's are still something that aren't as popular as tree monitors, obviously, right? But am I wrong on that? Or Kimberly's selling really well for you? I just Kimberly's have been around since like available since the nineties, right? So right, right, right. It's something that. Uh, dude man when they first became available from like frank reitz and rare earth my god like i could care less about tree monitors at that time those were the lizard right like those were amazing and you know i 
busted my ass to get those when I was you know, a late teenager. And, uh, you know, those were the Holy grail, but it was the look of them, like the lengthy tail, the tail, the banding, mm-hmm. the very sleek streamlined look. That's why I like tree monitors so much now too. But, um, but yeah, that was the allure of those things. I mean, but they were, dude, those things were crazy. I mean, everybody wanted Kimberly's. It would, they were, they were the thing, right? Um, it's just now, there's still a huge demand for them, but it's not like people are like, Oh my God, they're insane. Cause they've been around for 20 years. Right. It's like somebody seeing a frilled lizard for the first time. If they were just yeah. introduced to the hobby, they'd be like, Holy crap, you know, but they've just, you know, the, the novelty of, of them has worn off per se. Or, or, or even seen a Nile monitor without no, even know about monitors, like for Nile yeah. monitors, like it's like, those things are sick. But once you find out like what they're capable of, what they're really known for, how they're brought in, then they're like, eh, I'm good. Yeah. You know, it's sad, but it's the truth, man. Um, but what about, yeah, what about you, Brian? In what respect? What do you, as far as? I don't know. What did I just ask Brandon? <laughs> Kimberly's. Kimberly's. Oh, Kimberly. oh, I did. Okay, okay, sorry. <laughs> the Phil Berensis, yeah. No, I, I, the Kimberly's, I was very, very tempted early on, but they're uh, they're amazing. You can't work with it all. So I've got enough projects going. Got enough going. I can tell you what, though, I am looking at things I don't need to work with to replace it with more monitors. I'm really doing that right now because the best. I am about 85% snakes, 15% monitors, and I need to fucking I need to even out that number, man. Because if it's one, even though it's work, don't get me wrong, it is work, but I want work. I almost want something to make me fucking be aggravated, and the ball pythons don't aggravate me enough. I mean, they they really don't. They're too easy. They're I mean, compared to. You know, like I said, the last time I had Brandon on the show, he was spitting all this advice to me, and it was like fucking gibberish because I like I was so confused on what was happening. And as much as and, and you too, Brian, like Brian was giving me so much advice, so I was just a lost puppy searching for fucking help. But until the adjustment happened in front of me, it was like goddamn fucking the the the, the stars connected in the in the galaxy you know what i mean and, and and but but it makes everything so worth it like this episode by the way which is i don't know let me correct me if i'm wrong has there ever been a podcast with brandon and brian on at the same time <laughs> have you guys ever done this before no no that's what coolest reptile podcast <laughs> in the world you can't take this belt from me after this did i take the mic off anyways um Okay, listen, I got a wrap-up question before we get into some – these are customized hot seat questions for the both of you after this. I'm gonna, I feel like I got to bow out, man. I want to let Brandon – I'm going to let Brandon finish. Oh, no, 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 because this is a – I came in on this. I need – I need – Brandon's I need, podcast, man. I need two I different answers. I want to and I'm going to pop Dude, out. In, this out. guy. Okay, fine. You Okay, don't stick around for the hot seat <laughs> Yeah, yeah, let Brandon. It was awesome being on here with you guys, though, man. Okay, hold on, you're not leaving yet. Chill, just relax. Well, I'm gonna call Brian after this, and we're just gonna shoot the shit anyways. Yeah, no hot seat questions for Brian. Okay, I get it. I get. I, I, you're probably concerned. I get it. I feed Uh, only hot dogs. (laughs) Only hot dogs. Okay, listen. You guys want to know the real beans? About things that you know you should be doing is hot dog, man. I didn't want to tell anybody this. Well, and Oscar, was, are we going Oscar? was asking me. He told me you better not tell them what we've been talking about. Are we going Oscar <laughs> Meyer though? I mean, oh, yeah. Brand, if Brand is everything. kosher, son, kosher. straight kosher. You gotta go kosher. <laughs> hey, but listen, at the end of the day, man, I, I I I can't help but to say this because people think that I came into this shit like, 
like, you know, oh, I'm, I, I got money and I got what I got. No, a lot of the shit that I have was built off imports and I got lucky. Um, and that's only because if you were to ask me if I could afford a tree monitor from a captive born, like, like from a real breeder, like your guys itself, I mean, I probably can't, but I don't, now I don't see so much of, so much of a difference between the imports and the ca uh, captive born and bred as far as prices go. The imports are still coming in really expensive, but I want to hear it from you. Uh, first, Brian, and then we'll go and let you depart. Okay, buddy. Um, the do's and don'ts when working with imports. What would be your advice for that? And you could you could blatantly say, don't do it straight up. But at the end of the day, look, there's people like myself who just trying to work with what I got financially, right? So what would be the yeah. do's and don'ts with trying to dip with imports? I would say if you have the opportunity to get captured bread, do it all day, all day. There's people working with stuff, you know, and like you said, there's pricing for a lot of the wild caught stuff is very similar to what captive bread pricing is now. Anyway, I mean, I've, I've got blues and yellows that I do at three, you know, three K flat and I've seen wild caught animals for more than that. So that really doesn't build any sort of argument to go for a wild caught animal. And hopefully, you know, Brandon's got diverse lines. I've got a bunch, I've got several bloodlines too. And um, yeah, I say all day, support captive bread if you can and uh that's that's the biggest thing you know. all right well brian before you leave we had just shy of 90 people tapped in what do you have to say all of your supporters people for not only brandon but for you too what do you have to say to everyone out there well, no, happy to be here it's an honor to be on with, with brandon and you so um thanks for letting me on and saying hi it was fun it's cool to all be right. on you as always and you know especially with brandon so thanks well, buddy. Let's yeah, wish time. yeah, you guys have a good rest of the the show, and thanks again. We'll see oh, everybody. Is he frozen? No, he's not. He's good. He's good. Have a good night, Brian. Peace. Love you, Brian. Love yeah. you, Brian. Love you, dog. One of the best in the game. See you later, bro. Yeah, yeah. He's he is killing it, man. <sighs> yeah, man. It's it, it was such an honor to have you guys both on. But you uh, know, talking to him has like you know him primarily him. Uh, with what he's doing down there, I actually like last March uh, drove down to Florida and stopped at Brian's place, and you know, nice. cause been in contact with you, and uh, you know, he showed me his stuff, man. Like, cause he does things differently in his facility than me, and man, it, it shed a lot of light on what I was doing and helped me out immensely. Right? It's like it's like reciprocated, you know. I did one thing and he kind of picked notes for me. And then uh, when things stopped working well for me, I was like, Brian, what the hell are you doing now? Right. So it's been good, man. He's been, uh, he's been a fountain of knowledge and there's been a couple, like some old school guys up here that, that have uh, really shed some light on some stuff. I got to give a shout out to my boy, Alex G up here from Quebec. Shout to Alex G. Yeah. He, he, he bred black trees like, I don't know, 12, 13 years ago, man. And, and, uh, you know, just a bit of it, you know, he, from what he could remember, feed me some information and like make some changes to kind of emulate what really he had success with those guys. And it, it seems to have helped. So anyways, um, but yeah, so it's, uh, it's like a constant learning curve. Right. Um, but do's and don'ts, Brandon, like, like, like if somebody had to go the import route, like what, what, what's some things to be cautious about if, if you wanted to go that route? Uh, um well like I, I can't say anything particularly i mean i've obviously had imports right so i mean that's, i was gonna say there's times in your own career yeah. where you have to go you have to go import yourself. Right. Um, yeah for sure i mean you have to uh, listen i've i've done the math on 
if I want to sustainably breed blue trees for the rest of my physical, physically capable life, I need, I need four distinct um, bloodlines, let's say, right? If I assume that a pair can successfully reproduce for 10 years, which seems to be about what I've seen i mean i with the blues so so if i wanted if i want to make a go of it and ensure that i have differentiated offspring to sell to customers i need four pairs right so in order to do that like i only started out with one pair so in order to do that if i hold back females and stuff um there's still you know i need unrelated males to breed to those but then they're still related to the other lines so i need like four distinct pairs. So I have to get imported stuff, right? To keep up genetic diversity. Hopefully if I do that and, you know, like Brian has, you know, totally unique blues and there's a bunch, a few other guys breeding them, then we have a good population to keep them going for a long time into the future. But uh, like with wild cots, there's obviously, I mean, they're, they have a rough go, right? They're captured. They're in transit for God knows how long they're held at an importers for how long. So there's some, you know, they're, they're, they're sensitive. Now, they're also super hardy if you do some things right. I mean, you can have a, I've seen some pretty damn skinny monitors come out of, you know, especially tree monitors. Um, but it's like when you get them, keep them, you know, your, your kind of standard temperatures. You always say like, well, 110 basking, you know, kind of ambient 80 to 85 on the cooler side and, and keep them individually, make sure they're hydrated um, with imported stuff. They're, they can be picky, man, depending on what island they're from or what they're feeding on in the wild or what season they were captured in. I mean, the, some of the food that they eat is probably very seasonal, right? So they might not eat the same thing all year round, which could lead to different breeding. So um, you have to kind of really experiment with the food to get them to, to, get them to feed, to put the weight back on. Um, and, and so, like, one thing they seem to uniformly take is rodents most of them will take like pinkies and and fuzzies with gusto so that's good because you can put weight on them pretty quick with that they like eggs too some you know it's hit or miss with crickets or roaches i find um so you really have to experiment that i you know um i had one once that would only touch hornworms for the longest time Hmm. right so you really have to play with that um but again don't rush it don't you know, if you, if you did get an imported one, don't, don't try and like jam the food down its throat. I mean, that one that I had that was really, really lean when it came in, you know, and it was literally like I would put in a hornworm a day and just, just give it that hornworm. Cause one of the things like I noticed about it is like, I tried to feed it like a, a hopper mouse and it, it was so hungry. It took the, the hopper mouse, which I didn't think was big for it but it actually the next day regurgitated it i was like oh shit you know that's not good so um so then it was like minuscule amounts of food but just slowly over time can i admit can i admit something right now brandon that happened to me and it scared the shit out of me um because i was trying to get you know my female laid right after she Mm -hmm. laid i was trying to get her to eat and Mm -hmm. she didn't she was acting kind of like not hungry um so I, i i was like okay i'm not gonna be forceful about it i even left some crickets I don't know mm-hmm. if she ate the crickets, but I offered her the smallest quail I had, the baby quail. Like I, I offered her what I thought was the smallest one, right? But she puked it up. And I was like, oh, no. And I kind of got worried. I got scared. But I waited a little bit. And then I noticed she was, like, taking crickets straight off the tongs. Like, 
like she was and so i just kept her on insects for a little bit yeah and then and then and then i and then i was like okay here's a fuzzy mice you deserve it and she she chomped it but i mean i think i think i don't know it could have been the size of it i mean she doesn't normally eat ch uh, quell chick and quell chick could be big for something i don't know i, I just that's yeah, so, you know it's like again if 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 they're depending on where they're sitting and and whether they eviscerated the prey right like they they'll they'll scratch it and open it up i mean if they don't open up the abdomen of a mouse and they're not you know they're cool or whatever then that rodent could bloat on the inside before digestion deteriorates and test you know the the uh the abdominal wall so they could bloat a little bit they need to get it out right they get gassy so to speak um there's a number of reasons why but yeah so like just be patient with them don't try and like if, with wild caught ones don't try and like cram food down their throat you know give them a little bit what you know what they're going to eat um especially ones that are like really really rough looking right? right um just like incrementally small amounts of food and leave them the hell alone and make sure they have fresh water and i've never had one not turn around right i mean right. i haven't seen imports come in in a while but uh like into canada so I, it's not like i've had access to them but um you know when i started assembling the animals that i use for my breeding groups now that was that was it you know i put curtains over the cages so they didn't freak out and and uh yeah but now those animals are like they're bulletproof man they they're personable they you know they're laying eggs like it's it's just time you can't be impatient with it that's it but i mean sometimes there's a necessity for imports um well, i know. mean but, but, i mean brandon we as we before we started this podcast mm -hmm. we talked about how it's hit or miss buddy like mm -hmm. like there's people whose lives changed at vegas before you understand that right like there's people who who don't typically ever gamble but they'll fucking say fuck it i'll put all this money on this yeah boom yahtzee and now you're rich it's all i mean that could sort of be the case like i said sort of be the case with imports those tree monitors that i got and i gotta say the name but it rhymes with bulgoski they they fucking laid for me these, these are yeah. straight these dude you know what i mean and um like i said it's 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 you roll the dice buddy but you can't be mad if the dice don't go in your favor that's that's right. my thing if, if, if you want to say fuck the brandon van aston and brian susan inquiry i just saw this pair of monitors at a show and i'm gonna go this route even though they just came fresh off the boat well guess what something happens bad you can't get mad at who you, that's what you do that's what you get you're not you're not getting almost yeah, i mean if you're yeah like again I, I you can't you know you can't crap on the person that sold you an imported monitor if if it's not doing well or if it's skinny or it's not what you expected it to be you're buying an imported monitor there's a time and a place for them right like i am i i need them to add diversity to my project so i would need them if you're somebody who's buying the first your first tree monitor though it's not maybe the best option for you so if you're somebody that has a couple and and you want some different bloodlines then sure that's great right but i mean so there's a time and a place for it but i mean you have to know what you're getting into if you buy an imported lizard and it dies on you i mean that's that's what you ex you know like i mean that's really unfortunate on that's a 
horrible byproduct of that trade. It is, it is, but yeah. hello, like that that's what comes that's with the reality, it, right? right? That's nobody to blame. You can't blame that's anybody. What I'm saying. You can't get yeah. mad. Like, like, like I said, like there was like I got freezers of imports that didn't make it, unfortunately. You know yes. what I mean? So and, and it just comes with it. So yeah, and you yeah, you I mean, like yeah, yeah, I, I guess you have to look kind of within why 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 would you buy an import? versus not right i mean obviously money because of money that's it right. I, so I would money. say because of money just and because some some people especially importers need money so they'll fucking do a crazy deal they'll do something where you're like i can't pass on yeah. that like but also look what you're look what you're you're basically there are some situations where no matter how good the deal is some of it's too good to be true if not everything so yeah and you have to like look at the hidden costs associated with that as well, right? So, I mean, if you're yeah. buying an imported lizard, um, you're gonna cost. I love it. Yeah, you're gonna need to treat it probably, right? So, uh, or, or 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 how about this? Have questions in general, okay? Yeah. How about how about at some point, whatever is happening, they're at an age where you have questions, and this importer is like, I don't know, I'm an importer. What the fuck you want from me? Oh, yeah, that's true too. So, so you have let's call it customer support. If you buy from a breeder, oh. right? Oh, because I know, I know I know every in and out about the animal that you bought. The right. Lineage. That's like a that's like a fucking guaranteed almost. Like it's not, but it is. It's like, you know what I mean? Because here's yeah. the thing, like keep like a lot of people want to go ahead and blame other people for their fuck ups, but if we could admit something, a lot of our fuck ups as first time keepers are us. We're the ones that fucked up. Yeah. And and I gotta tell you, an importer does not care about your fuck ups. If no. you fucked up, you fucked up, buddy. But somebody like Brandon Van Assen might have the heart, might might have something to where like, hey, I, I can at least tell you where you went wrong. You know, the importer's not even going to tell you that much. It's going to tell you, I'm sorry. Here's another one if you want to buy it. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it, it may, yeah, maybe if they know, they'll try and help you. But it's like they're not a specialist per per se in anything. Yeah, but I mean, how many people are friends with importers? Not a lot. Right? Well, yeah, yeah. Like, I, they're I, not, like, I, I was lucky enough. Like, like, like I'm. I get it, but there were so many people that weren't getting the same treatment as I was getting. And and I'm talking about a lot of people. Like my own people weren't getting the same treatment that I was getting. And so I, that's why I was like, man, maybe this, maybe I'm just in a good place with the import world, but all these other people really aren't. And they're dealing with a lot of fucked up shit. And so that's well, why, you know. Yeah. I mean, again, right. If you go the import route, you, you have to know what you're getting into. You have to have certain expectations, right? Like I've gotten imported lizards and got some from, you know, um, guys in Florida too. And they've arrived exactly how I expected an imported lizard to come in and they did fine and they bred for me and it's great. Right. I mean, but if you don't have the mindset of what you know what to expect and you get an imported lizard, you might be, Oh, you know, this guy ripped me off or whatever. So I, you know that's that's about what i can say for that right um they're they're imported lizards you're getting them at a discount for a reason because there is a higher risk a much higher risk of them passing away but you also have again like we said no there might not be any customer support not because the guy doesn't care but maybe he just doesn't know two yeah. you're gonna have your hidden costs you're gonna you know okay, I got to go to the veterinarian. I don't know what an appointment in the U.S. costs on average for a vet. And then you're going to have to get your panic here and then your flagell and and maybe a few rounds of that. And, you know, by the time, by the time, I mean, if you didn't need the, the if you didn't need the import, by the time you get it and do all that stuff, you're at the same cost anyways. So 
you know, the, the face value, the ticket price is, is only, you know, that's just superficial. Right. And then you're really, I mean, it's a gamble. I mean, like, let's just say if somebody bought a tree monitor from me and, you know, a couple weeks, three weeks down the road, it passed away for whatever reason. Right. I mean, I always like make sure that look at the enclosures that they have and I'm trying to help them out as much as possible. Right. So, but if, if, if it was like a, couple weeks or three weeks down the road it passed away man i know what that's like i know what it is and what it is what you have invested in that they're not cheap right and i would be like inclined to replace it for sure you know i've done it i've done it many times right whereas you know an importer that would that would really affect their bottom line if they had to do that every time right so you know it's a different it's a different ball game when you go that route so you're really like if you're spending the money on an import yes it's less money on face value but you could stand to lose it whereas you know someone like myself you know i'm inclined to help you because i want i don't want first of all I'm, I'm a quite an agreeable person so i don't i don't like seeing somebody ticked off for one and you know, I, I, I you know, I, I feel for them if they, if they lose that, you know, if, if they're out that money, like I wouldn't want to be in that spot. And for me, what, to, what, what if I, what if I get ticked off, Brandon, or like, is this a different type of ticked off that you're cool? Well, with or? There's, a, there's a threshold buddy, because you know, it's like, there is a point where it's like, I can be not a nice guy. Let's put it that way. But amen, you know, brother. Amen. Thank you. All right. <laughs> But, uh, but like just your average person, I have that empathy about me where I'm like, you know, they're, they lost this lizard. First of all, it's terrible. It, it costs a lot of money to them. Plus they probably were dreaming about this thing forever. Cause I can imagine my old, my old self in the same spot. So I'm very inclined to help you out. Trust me. Right. Yeah. Like I've given lots of monitors away a second time because of, because I wanted to keep somebody happy. Um, you know, and, and, uh, but that might not happen with an important one. Yeah. listen brandon um you're a very dreamy individual like this was such a great fucking time man like i i, I cannot so much more to say <laughs> i mean i'm just saying like there's so much more i want to do collabing with you because i feel like i don't know like 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 your your profession is what if you could kind of explain what you do other than reptiles what would it be uh well i'm a teacher a high school teacher shout out to all my grade nine students that are listening to this right now yeah, oh, yeah. i'm sorry oh, i told them i would if they were watching so um yeah so i'm a teacher and then i uh i have some real estate ventures too that i that i do the, the cottage thing that that i that i said i was at there so are those more like timeshares or like they're like airbnbs or what are they no nah, i i own a few cottages on a lake uh in Ontario here, uh, not too far from Will's place. And uh, yeah, they're just rentals. I choose not to do Airbnb just because I have quite a good clientele that are repeat people. And, and uh, you know, I, I know them and they're, they're great people. So um, yeah, we have a few that we rent out to people. So I do that on the side, try and try and invest fickle reptile money into real ventures. That's, that's part of it, right? <laughs> man i mean i don't know i i just feel like um whatever it is that you're doing is so inspirational on a genuine level to where like you know people like brian was floored to be a part of this and i couldn't believe like like brian was like can you make sure brandon's okay with me coming on this show i I'd imagine yeah yeah I'd i was imagine. like what i was yeah. like brandon would love like i couldn't but but he was only coming from a place of respect and well, I, I know yeah i would have been the same way right because it's like well, i don't want to rain on someone's parade no i respect yeah. that fully man 
but, but, yeah, but, but Brandon, I, I, you're, Brandon, you're somebody who's going to get many parades on this show. Like you, you're going to be, you're going to have so many rounds of Brandon Van Assen episodes where, like, I mean, it's a given, bro. Like, I yeah. love it when you come on this show, and you're part of a huge 300th episode for this channel. So, thank yeah, man, you. Oh, thank you. Now, I got to ask you before we get into the hot seat questions. What's up with you coming back to the United States? How can I get you to come to Southern California? What is it going to take? I mean, what's the influence behind that? Man, I mean, uh, oh, you're you're seized up. Oh, there you go. I, dude, man, my like between the day job, my off season, I have the the you know the cottage <laughs> resort thing. I have two kids that are like full time sports. It's like it's impossible. Oh, what sport? What sport? What's the sport? I gotta ask you. My my, my uh, well, my my one my oldest daughter's uh in jujitsu like competition jujitsu level Ooh, no way oh my, that's that's so awesome yeah my youngest uh, my youngest pipes she's right into volleyball and she's doing jujitsu too right now but she loves volleyball and stuff so do you, um, roll, do you roll yourself or no do i no not officially man <laughs> you should brandon, brandon i used to i used to really wrestle should. and no stuff. but do jujitsu man like do, know, go do start training bro like you'll you'll really kind of see something that you probably never felt before. And, and this is coming from somebody who's been, I've been in a lot of street fights. I've gotten my ass whipped. I whooped asses, but jujitsu is a whole nother mentality breakaway. Oh, from I, I reality, it. bro. It's super intriguing to me. I, I love it. I love that. Right. Like, you know, I, over the years, um, cause I'm 43 now. So when I was the age that I could actually fight, it was boxing and straight wrestling. Right. So that's yeah, okay. what I did. Um, and it was mostly training for hockey, right. Cause in Canada, hockey's the thing. So, um, so, but since the onset of UFC, like BJJ has really like taken off and I watched, it, I'm like, man, cause I used to be actually a really good wrestler. Uh, I, I was much more of a wrestler than a, than a, you know, a than a boxer let's say right i would throw pillows whereas it could strategically grapple well um so i like jujitsu i will get into it it's just um you know i, I haven't actually signed up so to speak yet but I, it's so intriguing to me and it is good i mean it's like the best conditioning you can have you know for strength and endurance and mindset it's awesome yeah i mean i, I feel that's awesome to hear that you're so you have two daughters is that is that yeah. your cool yeah I'm really, a baby. You know, you know, you know, listen, I'm not trying to make this about me, but you know, I'm having a, I'm having a kid. Do you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah. July 28th, due date. And it's a boy. Oh yeah, baby. I would have been okay with a girl. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I was more than okay with a girl because like, here's the thing. I'm a middle child and I have two sisters. I love my sisters. Like yeah. no, nobody protects me more than my sisters. Like they're, <laughs> they're psychotic, right? They're like, no, like relax. But my sisters are obsessed with protecting me and. So I was like, that'd be cool to have like one, you know, you know, some, and something softer for me to get into, you know, like, you know, but no, God threw me a boy and uh, I'm ready to go, man. Go ahead. I'm, not, I'm hoping to God, this is a, a, a boy who's more like his mom, more like me. I could tell you that much. But <laughs> Well, you know what? I think from a male perspective, when you envision having children, you always envision like, I mean, at least I did. I was like, oh, son, this, that, and the other thing. Yeah, yeah, and it yeah. did I mean, trust me, I had two daughters and we tried. We tried to, you know, have more. It just wasn't in the cards. Like, I wanted four or five kids, man. I love kids. And, and, uh, but I mean, so, but again, right? It was, it's funny because it's like the nature versus nurture thing. Being yeah. who I was, I was like, let's play hockey. Let's go fishing. Let's go mm -hmm. out and collect bugs. Let's, 
do all of the things I would typically do with son or daughter, right? Like that's just, you know, let's wrestle on the floor and they, and you know, they're, they're so different. They're so female in some like, you know, traditional female in some ways where like, ew, bugs gross. But then, you know, my 12 year old will kick the snot out of a guy on the mat, you know, it's awesome. So, I mean, like, bro, like, like, like I said, to this day, like, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I have a certain persona because the way I was brought up and the way, like, I'm just, I'm just used to not trusting certain people. Right. But the one person in my life that could crumble me and make me look as soft as possible is my bigger sister. Like my bigger sister sees all through my shit. Like she yeah. knows, like she's my bigger sister. And so, and my bigger sister is fuck. She, she's a bigger sister. Like I'm not saying bigger white, but she could fucking whoop ass. Like she could really whoop ass more than I've seen some brothers whoop ass for their little brother. Like I, I I'm just telling you right now. So I just know that there's no judging women or males nowadays. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, like they're, they're, they're on the same level of being a beast, you know, but well. either way, <laughs> yeah. I, I love it, man. I, I love it. And either way, like I said, Brandon, I love that you're a part of this 300th episode is very special to me, man, because I've gone, I've gone through quite a bit in the beginning of this year um but you know i know i'm capable of going to 600th episode but i know that this mark means a lot and you're a part of this yeah, brian man, brian brian tucson was a part of this as well so my two top favorite tree monitors in the world a part of my 300th episode and i gotta say thank you so much brandon but i got, I got hot seat questions for you buddy okay, okay. i'm ready and, and, and we've done hot seats before right oh yeah oh yeah but these are different these are these these are a little these are customized for not only Canadians out there, but I'm just kidding. These oh, I better represent well. Yeah, this is just better represent well. But here we go. Hot seat questions. Round two hot seat questions for Brandon Van Aston. Are you ready, Brandon? I guess so. Let's here do we it. go. Coming in hot. Favorite tree monitor species? Uh, McCrayi. Least favorite tree monitor species? <sighs> Risingeri. Yellows. Ideal tree monitor diet? in insects with a smattering of rodents <laughs> yay imports or boo imports from my perspective for me yay for the first time nay one import one reptile you would import anywhere around the world what would that be one that i would import from anywhere around the world yep you could pick whichever it doesn't matter what it is if you could get your hands on it and get it into your collection what would it be Oof. Parenti, just because. <laughs> Man, I'm not. Those are. I ain't yeah. Mad at that. But is there yeah. a tree? Is there a tree monitor out there that you don't have that you want really, really, really bad? Oh, I mean, yeah, the uh, Cordensis, Bomei. Oh, me. Okay, listen. There were people on your bumper in the chats about Bomei. They were wondering when are you gonna pull the plug on a Bomei? I'm, well, I'm not, for, they're, dude. They're, it's not for lack of trying. I mean, trust me. I have messaged anybody. And everybody uh, about Bomei and and uh, um, again, if if there's importers in the U.S. right um, that 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 get them in, it's much easier for them to sell them into the U.S. than it is to pull CITES again and send them to me. The guys that have you know that have done that for me in the past, um, you know, shout out to them because I appreciate them doing that for me to get different bloodlines of stuff, right? Yeah. Um, so. Um, but but yeah, so Bomei are a different beast, man. They're like in such huge demand right now that nobody's gonna, you know, nobody 
in Europe wants to send them to me because they can, why would they, when they can sell them all day long to their next door neighbor? Is, is Europe so, the only one, is your, is Europe the only one having, so nobody in the United States has those right now is what you're saying? Bomei? Yeah. Oh yeah. They're in the U S. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They're there. And, and there's, I know people with them, but yeah. Drop, uh, drop a comment. If you know who has them in the United States, please drop a comment guys. Oh, I know. I know who has them too. Who? Drop a oh, name. I, no, come I, on, I come on, Brandon. Come on, Brandon. Come on. Well, look, 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 look. Um, um, what does it rhyme with? What does it rhyme with? Oh, I, I, I... Bufani. <laughs> <laughs> no, but look at, look at, there has to have been at least, I've seen a, probably, probably 15 of them imported in the last two years into the U.S. So I know John. John knows, John knows. I'll go to John. Yeah. I, I yeah. I don't want to throw anybody under the bus because I'm the type of person too. That is like, if I get it, I don't want anybody to know until I I've get had it. it. But yeah. I so, but, but yeah, so I do know some guys with them and I know that at least 15 of them, but the problem is when they come from the importers, if I, if I see that they have me like, Hey dude, um, can I get, you know, would you export them to me? Um, then, most of the time they're like no because they don't want to apply for the CITES because it takes months and they have to sit on them and and uh you know shout out to joe uh you know joe in florida there joe smatowski uh, yeah, yeah i mean he's he's come through in the past like he's actually one of the only guys that has been like listen yeah, listen Half, half, half of this wall is from Joe Switalski, okay i can't even i can't yeah. even deny that and there's 16 of them in here so guess what yeah so i mean he's he's the only importer in the past that has ever said yeah i'll get you that paperwork and he's come through so i mean um that's i you know i appreciate that because he actually didn't have to but he did right um because anyway so moving forward ideal soil for nesting oh geez uh for tree monitors for for odatria i do use pure sand for tree monitors, I do a sand soil mix. My last yellow tree monitor landed in a pile of straight soil. So sand soil, I'd say, for trees. Ratio from soil to sand. What would that uh, like be? Like a 50-50. Okay. Little word association. First thing to come to mind, FedEx shipping. <sighs> uh, cold weather right now. Terrible. Egg box. Incubator. Incubator temperature. 85. Milk. Cow. One show you would want to go visit at the United States, like Reptile Show. Oh, Tinley. Respect. Yeah. First time tree monitor customer. first customer i ever had no like just a first time purchase like a first time like hi this is my first tree monitor ever hi oh hey what, what do you want to say to that i don't know what you want to say to that no well okay no well, okay what is your first, what what's your first thought when you think of oh. somebody being a tree monitor keeper for the first time like what's the first thing that comes to your mind oh well do you have any other experience with any other monitors like what's your experience level and and do you know what you're in for basically favorite united states tree monitor breeder oh brian yeah i mean you can't go wrong how about oh. this if you had to i don't mean to do this to you but it is what it is 
If you had to eliminate one tree monitor species from the entire game forever, never coming back, what would it be? I'm not looking forward to this answer, but it is what it is. I know. Um, it may hurt. Uh, yellows. I'll say yellows. Wow. Thank you for that. Thank you for 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 keeping the perceivedness is relevant. Well, um, and that's the yellows are, yellows are relevant too, but I'm gonna be wrong. They're just too confusing. I think. Yeah, there's a there's a few things about them that that, <laughs> that uh, yeah would be the one I suppose. Listen, Brandon, for this you know first Sunday, I, you know I, I I do my best to try to get a big audience, but we had just a little over ninety people tapped in for this Sunday episode, oh. which is which is beyond my expectations. Thank you to all of you who tapped in on this special 300th episode. But Brandon, I want to hear from you. What is your, uh, what do you have to say to anyone out there who fucking supports you, but really is all about what they just heard on tonight's episode. What do you have to say to everyone out there? Yeah. I mean, I, I appreciate everybody that, that has supported me in the past and, and, uh, you know, I thank them. Um, you know, I'm always there. If you have questions, I try and get to everybody and answer them. Um, you know, I don't mind chatting on the phone. If you really want to give me a shout too, like, I, I would rather chat than text that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just love talking about the stuff. So if you have anything you want to know, man, just, just let me know. And if I come off as a jerk through email, because I'm short and direct, that's just me. But if you talk to me in person, I'm actually a nice guy. <laughs> I, I mean, I've always felt you're just as nice as you are to talk in okay. person as you are in your messages. So, I mean, that's, I think that's my biggest critique when I'm like messaging back and forth is just like a very direct and not no not a lot of small talk so yeah. it's not not like a not like i trying to you know trying to be that way intentionally it's just just direct you know <laughs> well if i were to fucking predict the future for our next podcast i think it's going to be in person call me crazy but i think our next podcast would be something that we do in person who I know, knows? man. I got. I need an excuse to get out there. I need, like, you know, like just. No, I'm talking about me going to you, buddy. It's okay, dude. Dude, you, you don't come out to me. That's fine. I'll come to you. I will come to you because Canada's worth visiting. That's all I got to say. Um, and I will be out there again. So no worries. If you don't come to Cali, I'll come to you. And I oh, have a buddy. strong feeling, no matter what it is, either or, we're gonna do this next podcast in person. But. Thank you so much, Brandon, for being here. We'll do it from a dock overlooking a beautiful Canadian lake. Fish jumping in the background. How can you be mad at that? Here? Oh, buddy. Sounds like a time. But listen, Brandon, enjoy the rest of your night. Thank you so much. It's a wrap for this Trap Talk Reptile Podcast 300th episode with Canadian Cold Blood. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up. Thanks, buddy. Thank you, Brandon. Hey, thank, thank you. you. Have a good night, bro. I'll talk to you soon. Thank All right, you so buddy. Thanks. Man, went by too quick. Went by too quick. Thank you so much, everyone who tuned in. Um, Patreon members, it is after party time. That's right. Make sure you go down to the link. Click the link, top link, Patreon link. If you want to join the Patreon after party, come fuck with us. And I cannot wait to tap in with you guys and celebrate this 300th episode. But guys, don't get, forget to hit the like button for our man, Brandon. This was an amazing time. Thank you so much. Um, again, this episode was brought to you by the homie Doug over at Ridiculous Racks, the number one gecko breeder in the game, in my opinion. You know, especially the leeches. Like, this motherfucker is just the, he's the man, bro. Like, I'm sorry, but Doug is the man, and I'm not sorry. But, guys, thank you so much for tapping in. Go follow the sponsor, Ridiculous Racks, and make sure you go follow Brandon Van Asten from Canadian Cold Blood, the best tree monitor breeder 
in the world. I hope you're ready, Texas. Not only because NARBC is coming up next weekend, but your boy MJ's flying into town, and I'm flying in ready to rock and roll. I have a legendary podcast lined up for us this Thursday night, and I want you guys to consider subscribe to my channel if you have not yet, because I'm telling you right now, have you ever been to Condro Town? Have you been to Condro Town? I don't think you've ever been to Condro Town. Well, I'm about to take you there. It's going down this week, Thursday, 6 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. I'm going to have the mayor of Condro Town, Bill Stiegel, who's right there to the left, with Mark Hager and Patrick Holmes. No, Justin will not be there. He's just a part of the thumbnail, so it is what it is. Maybe he'll be there. I don't know. But, guys, thank you so much for tapping in. Brandon, again, thank you so much for being a part of this. Very special 300th episode. Coolest reptile podcast in the world. That's right. 300 episodes that are relevant. Not 300 episodes where most of them, if not all of them, are just bullshit. No, this is the coolest reptile podcast in the world. 300 episodes to fucking represent that this is the coolest reptile podcast in the world. There is levels to this shit. So sit the fuck down with your 180 views. I'll see you guys, Patreon members. And I'll see the rest of you at the top. And I'm out.